0: episode 43 of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I'm your host, Floyd Johnson. And with me today, it from the Social Suplexes Keeping It Strong style, the captain of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, Mr. Jeremy Donovan. How are you doing today?
1: Doing pretty good, man. How are you doing?
0: I am doing well. Uh, for all of you wondering why you're not hearing miss phoenix amy o herself she does another show called the dragon's den and i definitely think you should subscribe and she's gonna record that tonight with jen because it is wrestle kingdom weekend that's a big weekend for their show so she's not gonna she wasn't gonna be able to do both at the same time i had uh, like messaged jeremy to be on the show with both of us so she's like oh jeremy's gonna be there well it'll make my life a whole lot easier If he could just record that one and I could focus on our show. So I was like, that makes sense. I I love my shows with the captain. He was at Dynamite this week. And, and of course, he does Keeping It Strong style, which is a a New Japan podcast. So this is just if you want an expert on Wrestle Kingdom, you know, you, you go to Jeremy Donovan. You know, of course.
1: Yeah, man, I've been doing so much uh, Wrestle Kingdom content this week. Um, obviously, we did our show this week, and then I was on One Nation Radio's like, year-end review for New Japan. I Last night, I was on uh, Outsider's Edge on Chair Shot Radio. Um, I've done stuff on Lords of Pain Radio, what uh, implications. We did the um, preview prediction columns on lordsofpain.net. With implications and uh, sir sam so yeah i've been all over the place doing content i'm in the the voices of wrestling uh year end ebook for new japan so all over the place i picked up the year year end ebook either last night or
0: this morning so i uh, made my uh yearly donation i don't read a lot <laughs> so it really is you know i buy it it's on my screen i'll read your section but I probably won't read more of it because.
1: I, <laughs> well, I, I don't blame you, man. That thing is uh, over four hundred thousand words, and and as they were saying, and I was listening to Voices of Wrestling Flagship today. Like the book is not meant to, you know, be read in like one sitting or read before Wrestle Kingdom. Like it's a tool, it's a resource for you to have all year and look back as you're watching big shows as somebody's walking down the aisle you can pull up their profile see you know what their record was in 2019 what their their predictions was for 2020 and just kind of get a better understanding of some of the guys and the storylines and then there's a lot of great you know essays in there from um you know new japan uh calmness all over the internet so a lot of great stuff that you can enjoy all throughout the year
0: and that's what you contributed an essay correct
1: right yeah i did a, a bullet club essay
0: oh cool cool uh, I was really upset when I listened to your award show and the Bullet Club did not win Faction of the Year, seeing yeah, I, as they held, like, every title in the company all year. I was like, that seemed right. like slam dunk to me.
1: Yeah, that was my vote. I voted Bullet Club in my first place for Faction of the Year.
0: Uh, yes. Uh, so a, Yeah, that that was my vote also. When I, I can read it, I said Bullet Club, but I was very shocked that they didn't win.
1: Uh I, yeah, I wasn't surprised. I mean, the LIJ fans, man, they are diehard. This is the third year in a row that uh, LIJ won Faction of the Year. Yeah, the LIJ fans always show up. <laughs>
0: All right. Well, um, I was going to say. Uh, yeah, I just finished keeping it. Sh- your your, your uh, show was long this week, so I just finished this morning. Having Chris Sampson on there was really, really cool. I liked his insight on it. And then, of course, uh, I, of course the young boy, Josh Smith. Uh I feel like you should call him the fanboy Josh Smith <laughs> <laughs> because uh he's like yep uh, when they left New Japan I quit paying attention to them I was like I love it I love it yeah,
1: yeah well, seriously I, I remember like Josh going back and like binge watching every being the elite so we could like cover it on keeping a strong style and he'd be like if he would watch it before I would and he would like have it all storylines down packed and all the stuff they left. I'm like, hey man, you watch Being Delete this week? No. Yeah. He's <laughs> like, and I'm never
0: watching it again. Yeah. The which is awesome. I, you know, if you for the other people to listen to the show, this is a very fan driven show. I am, I, I do not try to be uh, impartial at all. So that's that's not what. You, if you come here, that's not what you're coming here for. You're not looking for an impartial point of view. I'm going to give you. The point of view, according to What's Best for AEW, I was uh, doing my other podcast, and my friend was like, uh, what match are you most looking forward to? And I was like, Jericho and Tanahashi. <laughs> 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 and he's, like, he's like, he's like, there's some great matches this week. I'm like, yeah, they're amazing matches. I was like, I think at least two matches could be match of the year candidates. But Jericho and Tanahashi affects directly affects AEW so it's pretty easy for me (laughs) (laughs) no but uh start to show off by reminding you this episode of all things elite is brought to you by power slam tv power slam tv where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe right onto your laptop and mobile device if you use this code social suplex you get the first month free Well, I do usually do my big news of the week, but the actual big news of the week is some housekeeping for uh, our show, All Things Elite. Uh, Jeremy, uh, we moved from the Social Plus Podcast Network. We migrated over to Red Circle, so it should only mean a couple things for you as far as your RSS feeds and how you have your stuff set up now. That should mostly if you're following the social suplex podcast network, that will remain the same, correct?
1: Right, yeah. So if you were no matter what you were subscribed, if you're subscribed to Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, if you were subscribed to the Social Suplex Podcast Network, you should be still getting our episodes. I haven't heard anybody in the last week or so since we've migrated from hosting from Podbean to Red Circle, I haven't heard anybody said they've missed anything. So yeah. As long as you subscribe to the network feed beforehand, you should still be getting everything.
0: All right. So this means two things for the people listening to this show. You can now uh, subscribe directly to the All Things Elite stream on whatever your uh, social, uh, whatever your podcast app is. So Google Podcast. I actually went because I have both Android and uh, Android and iPhone. So I made sure it was everywhere. You can go on Apple. It's there. You can go on Google Podcasts, it's there. It even up- uh, uploads a copy to YouTube, which I didn't even know.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're on YouTube. There's a Social Suplex uh, Podcast Network YouTube account. Also, all the episodes are up on our homepage, socialsuplex.com. You can listen there, um, mobile or desktop. And, yeah, like Flo was saying, you know, every show now has their own RSS feed. So if you only have you know one or two favorites, you can subscribe to those individually and they're pretty much on every podcast app out there. Or if you love all the shows, you can keep subscribing to the network feed.
0: Now, and I was going to say, that's my preference. I would prefer you uh go ahead and just stay on the Social Suplex Podcast Network if you can. Keeping it strong style, One Nation Radio, Grown Man Watch This Shit, The Ricky and Clive Show. Did I miss anything?
1: Uh, get in the ring,
0: get in the ring. All those shows are great shows. I download them weekly. I, I, I can honestly say because we provide so much content, I'm usually an episode or two behind on each <laughs> show because it's like, seriously, I mean, I would just listen to podcasts all day cause we provide that much content, but just yeah. make sure, uh, that you're following us on all your podcast uh, apps and rate leave a rating leave a review you can go to youtube under your youtube leave a review there i'm checking them all now for the you know google whatever just let us know what you think we got one review from this mysterious man named john juris it was uh amazing uh he, he he gave us five stars and I was like, I think you should all follow suit. But if there is something we can improve, if there's different content you want us to provide, I am very open to suggestions. Always been open to criticism because I just want to do better. I do this literally for fun. I love talking. So if any way I can be better, I will definitely take it from you. And the second thing, we now have a donate button. Now, um... Please feel free to leave anything you want, a dollar or twelve dollars, whatever uh all we're gonna do any of that money, I will guarantee you will go to making this show better uh, uh you know if Tiffany needs new audio equipment or Amy needs a new mic or anything like that, they will definitely have that, so that's what all the money is gonna go to. I guarantee you all the money is gonna go right back into the show. I've never. I've never intended on getting rich by doing podcasting, So, <laughs> so yeah.
1: So and, I, anyway. and I made um, an, an easy page for people to go to. If you go to social suplex.com slash donate, you can go to that page and you can click on the donate button under the all things elite logo that will take you to the donation page for this podcast. And you can go ahead and uh, leave your donation for this show.
0: Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's awesome. Like I said, anything, a- anything is uh anything is welcome if you can't do anything don't feel bad i you know I, like i said I just love this this is this is I, do, I get as much from you listening as you do from me talking so uh anything is appreciated all right, so we are done with the housekeeping part. I didn't miss anything that uh no you're good all right so we're good so a e w dynamite is back this week after a week off. I, mean, I was at work on Christmas. Like, I don't know what to do with my hands because I watch Dynamite on Wednesdays. That's what I do. But I am very happy that they got to spend their family, uh, their Christmas with their families. I think, yeah, I was like, I think that should always be a thing. I honestly just, I know they probably won't, but I just think that Christmas week should just be no show. But I would like, and especially with TNT doing NBA basketball. It's not like they need the content, but if they do have an open spot, I would love to see like, uh, like now that we'll have a whole year of TV, like a best of kind of a show.
1: Right. And they, they did do a best of dynamite on AEW dark this week, um, which is pretty cool. And yeah, I wish I kind of wish they would have done that on TNT last week.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, I saw, yeah, I would have liked that too. It was, uh, I watched Dark this week, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. But I could see it since they've only been doing shows since October. That Right. That, and so that's why I didn't do any, like, that's why I didn't really do a best of the year. I know some people did their yearly awards. I decided I'm just going to wait until we have a year of shows, and, like, next year will be our first annual, you know, All, all Things Elite Awards because it was cool. like we only had three months this year. So I was like, oh, Okay. It's, we all have our favorites, but it'll give them more time to establish everyone. You know, you won't right. have just like like Brandon Cutler in five matches and you know, you'll know you have <laughs> many, many matches. Right. Yeah. So uh, let's see. First thing was the road to Jacksonville. Did you watch this?
1: Yes, I did.
0: Yeah. Uh, the road two series is a favorite of me and Tiffany. Uh, it's well-produced. Apparently, there's there's the production team in Atlanta. I forgot what it's called, but I know Cody is heavily involved. And this one was not very Cody-focused, which is always really weird on the road, too, because, you know, they're kind of his thing. It was really about building up the Jericho. At least the first part was about building up Jericho and Moxley. Uh, what do you think?
1: Yeah, it, I, I love the Road Two series. Also, I think they're they're so well done. It's I think it's a nice like bite sized thing that's easy easily to watch, and it definitely helps move the stories around. It just gives a different take, and I don't know, it makes it feel a little bit more personal for me.
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna ask you a question because uh, I've heard, you know, I'm uh, I know you watch every week, but what do you think of them? Building some of their storylines, not on dynamite
1: yeah, so I don't know it, it, it's hard for me because yeah i I watch everything I watch Dark, I watch being the elite I, if a Road two comes up, I'm watching the road two i uh, I'm looking to get that content uh any way possible now, I do understand from i guess you want if you want to call it a casual fan standpoint, I only have so much time today i I guess want to watch Dynamite that, you know, I shouldn't have to watch, you know, any of the things that are, you know, extra to be on the know. But I do th- I w- I do think they should continue to kind of foreshadow stuff and kind of give, there shouldn't be like a major angle or major storyline plot on Being the Elite or Road 2. Um, if you just watch Dynamite, you should be fine. But to reward the people who watch everything, they, there should be hints and teases for example like the whole hangman page and kenny rivalry on being the Elite a a while back they had that whole thing where hangman had a dream that he was feuding with kenny omega and clearly that's the direction they're going right now um and so if you watch being the elite you kind of knew that was coming so you got rewarded that way
0: yeah and i've always said it uh you know it, it provides a fuller experience but you can just watch the show It's just if your favorite things, like if you're a Road 2 fan, you're not going to get that on the TV show. They only have two hours. They don't do house shows or anything like that. They only have two hours. So seven and a half minutes to Road 2, that's a good chunk of your show. You know, that's a whole match. That's a promo, whatever. So I, I, I,
1: Yeah, and with Dynamite, they're already – having a hard time getting as much crunch into that show as possible. I mean there's still people who get left off every week. So, yeah, it would be really hard if you're cutting match time down or even dropping a match to try and put in, you know, a road to segment or a, a being the elite segment. My, my biggest
0: always my biggest objection is that all their content's, you know, on YouTube, you know, right it, YouTube is on your phone, so you can always watch it. It is always accessible. Uh, I've, I've made the point on the show before that when we were in Baltimore outside Jimmy's Seafood or whatever, uh, there was a guy, and he was working security, and he asked us about our shirt. And he's like, I don't have cable at home, which a lot of people don't. And, and I, you know, I was able to introduce him to AEW through YouTube. And the dark channel and, you know, tell him about, you know, he could go to, you know, with their all elite videos and you're able to keep up with the TV product even when you don't have cable.
1: Right. And also to kind of defend, like give a good reason why you should. I think it's a good thing to watch all the YouTube stuff. If you think about it, you think back to all in like there was no TV show like all the storylines and all the build going into All In was done on being the elite every week. All the storylines, all the build-up for all those matches were being the elite. They sold that 10, over 10,000 tickets just off the, the power of YouTube right there. So it's clear that, you know, the, the diehard fans are watching the being the elite and a lot of the characters and storylines that are starting or that have been happening on AEW. the foundation was being the elite and kind of that build towards all in.
0: Absolutely. I like, I, you know, I watch everything. I talk about everything. It's like, and there's so much. I, a lot of times weeks, I'm going through reading my list and I'll forget that they've uploaded a video and they'll cut their own promos on Twitter. And I'm not saying do all that because, you know, that could be time consuming, but if you just, you know, stick with the being the elite and all elite wrestling channels you'll usually have all the backstory that you need. Right. Alright. Uh yeah. So yeah, uh the Dustin Dustin hit a promo on uh road two and I was like he's just so good. You know what I mean? He just seemed, you know, the whole legitimately angry at Sammy Guevara and I was like, it made me actually excited for the match. Thought, you know, and then we'll get to the uh We'll get to the match in just a second. Let's uh jump right into Dynamite. Jeremy, you're right. you're at, you were in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, that's right. We did the uh, the three-and-a-half-hour drive from Tampa over to Jacksonville to be at Daly's Place. My second time at Daly's Place, I was there for uh, Fight for the Fallen back in July. Um, so, yeah, drove over to Jacksonville and had a great time at Dynamite.
0: And it was set up a little differently from Fight for the Fallen, right?
1: Yeah, just a little bit differently. I think something was a little bit different with how the stage was um, set up. I, feel the, like was,
0: I don't feel like the ramp went right into the ring like it did back that last time, did it?
1: I, I don't think so. I'd have to go back and watch. But, yeah, I think the ramp was, yeah, it had the, the whole, like, that ramp they do sometimes where it goes, like, straight into the ring.
0: Yeah, because I remember Sonny Kiss dancing, and I felt like he went, you know, down the ramp with, with the Jaguar after he finished his... <laughs> excuse me, finished his dance. And uh, I thought that was, uh, I just, it was kind of weird. It, it made it unique because, you know, Fight for the Fallen was their thing, and now this is the show, so having a different stage made sense. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we started. We started this year as we started Dynamite with the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Uh, oh, actually, Darby's entrance was first, Correct.
1: Yeah, well even first we had the the uh the cold open with like the with the Elite is like, you know, are the Elite still elite? Like are these guys as good as they say they are kind of showing the past, you know, a few months of them losing and being jumped and all of them all the current members of the Elite had big matches on Dynamite and so the the cold open was kind of answering, you know, will the Elite be able to be elite tonight? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: I I actually forgot about that. Uh I was sitting there uh watching it on Twitter. Uh, and I saw the tweets about it and, and I was like, man, they really like, even if you would just, if this was your first episode, you would, uh, kind of know what's this, what this show tonight was about. Uh, and they were, and and a fortunate thing, they were kind of running unopposed because NXT did a, like a pre-taped award show. So, yeah. Yeah. So they were, uh, so this was the show they needed, I even actually sent, uh, Sent a friend a message. I was like, man, if this show doesn't do 800,000, you know, with pretty much no competition from the other side, because what's consistent in the one trend I've pulled up is about 1.5 million people watch wrestling no matter what every week. Right. Like, no matter what. It's like, World Series it was still a split of 1.5 million. You know, it was like, no matter what, 1.5 million people, like one four or 5 million people watch it. So I wonder what the split was going to be this weekend, and it was pretty decent.
1: So yeah, I was expecting yeah, Dynamite to, uh, you know, come back roaring with a big uh, ratings lead. And honestly, this kind of felt like a mini pay-per-view here. You know, it had like the homecoming title. Um, it had um, that special co open, and We had a lot of big matches here.
0: Yeah, I really wanted to be in Jacksonville. I was like, I literally ended up picking Revolution over Jacksonville because I was mm. like, man, I really wanted to be there for, for this show because I was like, but, you know, you know, I f- I feel like there's gonna be many more of these, so I will definitely make it down for Daily's place soon. Nice. All right. So tonight we had Taz on the announce. He had to replace Tony Schiavone. Because at the same time the show was going on, Georgia football was playing. Right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Re- I remember Taz was going to be there, and it, I just never put two and two together. That of course Tony's calling the game. He's not going to be, be able to be on AEW tonight. And so, what did you think the match? Uh, well, first the entrances. Darby Allen comes out on motorcycle, has a guy from a band with him. I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, I watched back this match on TV, and yeah, Tad was saying something on commentary about this. That. They said his name. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it either.
0: Yeah, I, I know they're boys, and he took off a mask to reveal the even creepier mask. I don't know what the point of this is. But Darby Allen's half a face was a little more painted this time. It really, yeah. di- it really did give me some sting feels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it looked almost kind of like um, like a venom kind of uh, face paint.
0: Yes, yes, but it was much more than the you know it's usually a skull, but it was much more detailed this time. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then Cody, his music hits, and he's coming, he's coming up. And before you end, you have Arne Anderson, and of course you listen to the show, you know what that means to me. Aren't coming out Floor, first. It's running around the house. <laughs> yes, I'm like running around running around at work actually, like, oh throwing it. and then he threw up the four. I was mm-hmm. like, Oh my god. Don't just don't don't just throw up the four. If that ain't leading something, I need you to keep your hands down on that one. <laughs> Cody leaving the four horsemen is kinda like Like, my fantasy booking dream right there. (laughs) Uh, No, so then Cody comes out with this big entrance, and then they have a match. And I thought this match, I like this match because I like when wrestling progresses. So, you know, like, the first match, Cody's, like, not taking him serious, you know, trying to give him a wrestling lesson, whatever, like this. And this time he comes out serious he's like hey i'm going to take you out and it it was uh it was very intense like first couple minutes as they were trying to get uh they're trying to get the advantage what did you think of this match
1: i thought it was a really really good match really great way to kick the show off uh two of the most over guys on the roster obviously Cody is you know like a god to um, the AEW fans and uh, Darby Allen they've done a great job of getting him over Darby's a guy that I've seen watch wrestle um, here in Tampa in bars all time and on Evolve shows and on uh, local indie shows and just seeing you know seeing him right there like in that in that bar setting now to on this big stage of AEW is just great and just how the fans are behind him now. Because I remember, I think it was at Fighter Fest, the first Cody Darby match, um, it, there wasn't as many Darby chants as there was for this match. I feel like, you know, me and the Super Skies, knowing Darby, you know, we were all into Darby and cheering him on, but there was still a lot of the fan base who were not very familiar with Darby Allen if they hadn't watched Evolve or paid attention to his indie career at all. So, it was great that, you know, the crowd was pretty much split throughout this match of, you know, let's go, Darby, let's go, Cody. And then they had a great back and forth match. Um, There's a lot of kind of callback to their match at Fighter Fest, you know, that spot where Cody, like, throws Darby um, into the turnbuckle and some other moves. And then, um, you know, the coffin drop on the apron at Fighter Fest, Darby actually missed that move. And that was a big spot in that match. But this time he actually hit the coffin drop on the apron. There was a lot of great callbacks in that.
0: Yes. Um, and, then you know, Cody uh, has added a few moves to his repertoire, including the Cody cutter. And it was kind of cool how they integrated Arn Anderson. He wasn't too heavy-handed. Like, they only gave him, like, it was like three kind of significant uh, parts. One is where Darby was getting the better of him and then Cody came over and arn put the paper over his face and talked to him and then you know i think it was another part where he had gotten advantage and uh arn was whispering to him and then the big spot the one that i i know had to happen because if it didn't happen why was arn anderson out there so Cody gets ran into the exposed turnbuckle which was you know Darby Darby took a shortcut Kobe and he goes up for the coffin drop Arn gets on the apron and says start slapping his knee and to tell Cody to put his knees up and then he gets the pin on Darby after that what did you think of Arn and Cody's interaction
1: I thought it was good I kind of like this whole idea of you know Arn being Cody's coach and it's very kind of similar to almost to like an amateur wrestling match where you, you have like your coach is there in the corner as you're wrestling and giving you advice and yelling stuff out to you. It reminded me of my time in amateur wrestling and I'm out there in a tough match and my coach is, you know, giving me a certain signal or has prepared me for my opponent. So I kind of like this aspect, especially they're going for this whole, you know, sports uh, presentation. They have the records and the stats. So I think it's pretty cool that they have on, they're calling him like Cody's coach and kind of giving him the plays out there.
0: Yeah, the head coach of the Nightmare Family. Like I said, I like that it wasn't overly, over uh, heavy handed, because that's a heel move. You know, unless Cody's turning heel, then of course I'll expect it more. Uh, Darby Allen removing the turnbuckle. I mean, is that just showing a more aggressive Darby Allen, or is that showing like a heel Darby Allen? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I don't think it was uh, heel Darby Allen. I just think it was Darby just being so desperate. He wants to beat Cody so bad, and he wants to prove that he belongs in the main event so bad that he's willing to literally do anything possible to make sure he was going to beat Cody. He did not want another draw. He didn't want to lose. He wanted to win no matter what, and if that meant bending the rules just a little bit, that's what he was going to do Um And, you know, it's not like he, like, bashed Cody's head into it or anything. Like, Cody ended up running into it uh, towards the end. So I don't think it was a full-on, you know, uh, Darby's potentially turning heel. I I just think it was – he was so desperate. He just wanted to do anything he could to put Cody away.
0: Yeah, he hit the crossroads and Darby kicked out, which was big. I mean, that's, you know, like, it puts away the lower people on the card, but it doesn't put Darby away. uh,
1: yeah I thought that was it like in the crowd it was like oh cross Oh, it's over one two and then Darby kicked out and that's when people were really like on the edge of their seats like wow like Darby kicked out and you know beforehand I was telling you know the crew that I was with I'm like I'm pretty sure pretty sure Cody and Darby they're gonna open and they're they're gonna tease the draw from Fighter Fest they're gonna you know they're gonna give him that 20 minutes and we're gonna get close to the very end and, and tease like a potential draw again that's uh, kind of what they did here didn't end quite as close as I thought it was going to be. I think there was like uh, like two minutes left uh, towards the end of the match, but obviously, kind of playing back once again to Fighter Fest and how hard it was for Cody to put Darby away. And obviously this time both guys were even more prepared. There was a lot of great counters uh, throughout the match. Uh, both of them countering a lot of uh, big moves. And this match, like you mentioned too, you know, Cody was on the very first Dynamite in October. He's here on the first Dynamite of the year, and this match was also kind of similar to the Sammy Guevara match where you had the young guy who's giving Cody a hard time and, and looks really great in the match until it comes down to the end where Cody's able to uh, squeak the win out.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, well said. There was, uh, I, th- I just thought this was told the story that it needed to do, a perfect second story. When we eventually get to the time that Darby beats Cody because you know that's going to happen, uh, it's gonna look kind of impossible, and you don't know which time it's gonna be because he's so close every time. And Darby, uh, Darby's one of those people. I think, you know, no one's beat him with his the regular finisher. You know, I mean, he's one of the few people that has wrestled Mox, Cody, and Chris Jericho. You know, and Chris Jericho, it was, it was, uh, you know, Jake Hager kind of pushing him off the. Ropes to where Jericho got the win. Uh, Mox had to use like the super uh, paradigm shift to pin him. It's like he's being presented as a tough out.
1: Right. Yeah. They're they're presenting him as this you know very tough daredevil. Like yes, he might be smaller than majority of the guys in AEW, but he's probably one of the toughest. He's going to put his body on the line. He's going to put your body in danger and you know it kind of just reminds me of you know young Jeff Hardy this uh small daredevil kid who's going to kind of take any risks to win the match and doing that just gets over.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's you know, he appeals to everyone. Like me, I generally thought he was too small at first. Mm-hmm. And his the ability to move and how quick he is and how fluid he is I could see bigger people having problems with that, and he they do a good job of telling that story in the ring.
1: Yeah, they do an awesome job with that, and yeah, Darby's movement in the ring is just so unique, and he's so quick and so nimble, so agile. He's just able to kind of bounce on those ropes really quickly, hit that coffin and drop, and just some of like his movements are just so unique, and the way he gets into that like that uh, that stunner that he does. It's pretty cool. So, yeah, he's he had a lot of cool moves. He's just a unique guy.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh Yeah. So we're going to move on to in the next segment, Jen Decker was backstage interviewing SCU. Sandy Guevara uh, was on his The Old Man Killer, as Rich, uh, Rich Ladder <laughs> call him. So, uh interrupts SCU, tells Christopher Daniel he doesn't have it anymore. Daniel's challenged Guevara to a match next week. So, Chris Daniels versus Sammy Guevara. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that in the preview, preview of next week, but it's just like, seems like a weird match. Uh,
1: right. uh, and, and one one problem I have with this segment, too, I, I felt like it kind of spoiled the, the results of the Dustin-Sammy match later on. It's like, why are they going to set up an angle for Sammy next week if he's not winning? So, I kind of wish this... Uh, angle would have happened after the Sammy Dustin match
0: yeah and it felt like it could have went anywhere right yeah so then then, and this is a high honor because Cody wrestled on the show we had my favorite match of the night the fatal four way women's title for the AEW women's world championship we had Nyla Rose versus Sakara Sheeta versus Dr. Britt Baker DMD and rio of course the champion uh i just we started with like nyla playing the asshole she is just you know blindsided rio and took her out and that's kind of how the match got started Uh, you know you had sheeta just going off with a kendo stick on nyla rose uh how did this play live in the crowd
1: So I would say, so obviously the crowd was super into Cody and Darby and spent like a lot of energy in that. And I feel like at the start of this match, uh, not that they were out of it, but they were kind of a little bit calmer than they were for Cody and Darby. But then as the match um, picked up, the crowd got super into it. They were really behind um, Hikaru Ishida and Riho were two of the crowd favorites um, that I noticed. But yeah, this match, um, it was 10 minutes and it was a very fast 10 minutes. It was very um, fast-paced. Um, everybody in this match looked good. They sh- Everybody got a chance to shine. It was great near falls. And I think this is probably one of the better, probably one of the best um, AEW women's matches that we've had on Dynamite so far.
0: I, and I agree. I do think sometimes the positioning of the women's match is doesn't help them to be featured as a main act. It's like, because Cody's match, of course, is going to get heat, right? Right. And this is sandwiched between that match and a John Moxley match. So it's like when you look at the match, it's like generally, you know, with the other company, there is a cool down match in between it before you get to a big match. You know what I mean? Right. And then there's the New Japan style of building through the whole show. I actually genuinely prefer the New Japan style, but the difference on the New Japan style is that they don't have commercials. Right. So with the American style, you have this hot match with Cody, you go to a commercial, all the fans cool down, and then you come back with this match, and it's just like, I don't think they were ready for this match yet.
1: Right, I think it's like you hit the nail right on the head. Yeah, I don't think uh, as a crowd after that awesome opening with Cody and Darby that we were, were ready for uh, you know another awesome match like this. Um, but you know these girls, they worked really hard and got the crowd into it. There was a lot of great spots. Um, and we had the, uh, the Nyla Rose table spot. Like you mentioned, Sheeta had the kendo stick. Just saw, there was just a lot of great back and forth. And um, the yeah. big spot where uh, Sheeta was able to... Uh, I think she, what, she, like, suplexed uh, Nyla or backdrop or something like that?
0: Yes, uh, I believe she suplexed her.
1: Yeah, and the crowd, yeah, the crowd pops huge for that, and so, yeah, there was a lot of great moments in this match.
0: Yeah, and and it's just, it's what I was, the reason I brought up what I was is because this match was, to me, was, like, from TV point, it was great from the beginning. I was, like, with the attack, I was, like, immediately into it, and it just felt like the crowd caught up with me about, five minutes into the match and it's just like you know it could lead someone to believe that all these matches aren't good but they're really good i thought this match was really good this is one of the few matches that i actually went back and watched again uh when i was uh preparing for the show and i was just like man this really was as good as i remember it you know that kind of thing
1: right Uh, i think i think too another reason why it might not the crowd not, might not have been as hot. It's just you know the the TV time that the women get. Um, you know the, the, the women don't get as much TV time. Obviously, it's all the men do. And you know for the majority of Dynamite, there's usually been one woman's match and then maybe like a woman's segment. So uh, I think I still think there's work to be done on giving the women their time and helping those characters uh, get over, so that way fans can uh, be more invested in them.
0: Yes, but uh, yeah, I. I... Completely agree. Um you know, the whole idea though is we do have, you know, a section of the roster that can't promo well. Right. Uh so that does suck. But I think, you know, you know how you get better on promos? Doing promos. You know. Right. Uh but the end finish came uh with uh Sheeta suplex Ray, Rio onto Nyla, who was in the corner. Uh, Britt Baker hits she- Sheeta with Super Kit and went for the Lockdown submission, but she'd escaped. Rio came in and rolled up Britt Baker for the three. So Rio pinned Britt Baker. Uh, Ny- uh, Nyla got angry. She brought in the table. She placed Ray- Rio onto the table uh, and she put a Rio through the table. Now, I've tweeted out from the All Things Elite account Did Nyla Rose. With that move, if you're calling, you know, if you're talking about, you know, uh, the physical demands of the match and selling week to week, did she cost Rio the title for next week?
1: Uh, I think that's a great story point. She possibly could. um, You know, Rio would probably already kind of have a disadvantage going in, seeing as she had a match this week um, and defending the title already this week and having to defend again next week. So already kind of going in. With a little disadvantage. And now with, um, you know, getting that, did uh, Nyla splash her, right?
0: Uh, Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yes, she splashed her through the table.
1: Yeah, so yeah, getting splashed by Nyla Rose to the table, that's definitely, I think, going to bring Riho into that title match next week against Statlander less than 100% and give the advantage to the Galaxy's Greatest Alien.
0: Yes. Yeah, so that actually added intrigue to the match for me. Next week, Chris Statlander versus Rio. I do have a question. Uh, you watched the show back? I don't remember Jim Ross saying she was ninety five pounds, which I believe is the first time a Rio match has happened without him saying she was ninety five pounds. Which?
1: Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I did not hear any yeah. uh, mention of her size. <laughs> so hats
0: off to Jim Ross. I was like, dude, we know how much she weighs now. You've said it a hundred <laughs> times, man. It it, it it had gotten to WWE levels of comical.
1: Yeah, it was like Mike Cole like saying it's boss time or the big dog over and over and over and over again to like get it through your head.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: it is in our head.
0: It was gone, so it was cool.
1: Um, and one it, more thing, I wanted to comment too about the the placement of this match. Um, like you mentioned, you feel like it was placed a little bit odd, too. It was it's a championship match, and it was second on the card. And I really feel like going forward, regardless of which championship it is, it should probably main event the show oh. or open the show. I've, like, I've made that point
0: also. I can 100% agree with you.
1: Like, it's the, it's, the champ, it's the women's world championship. Like, we saw the tag titles have main evented. Obviously, the world title has main evented Dynamite. Um, the women's title has yet to main event a dynamite, and that it's probably for ratings reasons. But if you want the women's world championship to kind of be on the same playing field as the tag titles and the the world title, it, it needs to be highlighted and featured either in that opening segment or the main event.
0: Yeah, I, it's one of those questions that if I got to talk to Cody the Bucks Kenny personally. I would ask them that question. Like, I don't want to put it on Twitter. Like I'm trying to call them out or anything. Right. But if your titles are, are you, our titles mean something records mean something. And your women's title match is second on the card. That just seems that that's, that seems to work against what you're saying.
1: Right. And, and I, I get it from a card standpoint. Like if if I was putting this, car together i probably would have main evented with the elite versus lucha bros and pack also that's you know six of the biggest stars on the whole roster the crowd's gonna be really into that match it's gonna be a phenomenal match that makes sense to main event i'm doing this women's title match that i'm like "Hmm, where else can i highlight this match well let me open the show of this match
0: absolutely you open with i mean even like uh, like those uh, cold singles opens where you open with all four in the ring. And the first thing you see is Nyla attack Rio, you know, that would have, you know, got everybody into it or something. But, you know, they say when you on the, uh, on a card, you either want to be first or last. It's just, we need to see the women's division, I think, featured more. And, right. I, and it's,
1: I, and it's so hard. Cause they have so many of the male talent that are so over and honestly, with Cody and Darby, you wanted to give them time so they can play into another potential draw. So it's like, man, this card was so stacked. It's almost like should they have even done the women's title match on this show?
0: Yes, yes, uh, yeah, maybe not, maybe not.
1: Uh, and, and plus two, it probably would have worked out. Like they they had known that Chris Statlander wasn't going to make it. Like. They could have just advertised the women's match for next week and not even have had the women's title ma- title match at all this week. Yeah,
0: just had like a regular, you know, maybe a one-on-one match. Right. Before. But it um, after this happened, we're backstage with Alex Marvez. He's talking to Joey Janela. He cuts a sh- short promo, and Penelope Ford just low blows him from the back. Uh, 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 Penelope Ford in super bad Kip Sabian. Uh, they just kind of walked around, walked away while he was writhing in pain. I Joey Janela said he didn't want a program with Penelope Ford on Twitter like previously, so it's kind of funny. You now it looks like that uh, they're gonna do a program together, and it was I think he used the words he never wanted a program with her. And all oh, my thought process is never is great until your boss tells you differently,
1: right? And have you seen some of the interactions that have been going on between Joey and Penelope on Twitter?
0: Yes. Yes, I have. It's... Yeah,
1: I, yeah. I'm not a fan in the, in the direction this is going, so people who haven't seen those Twitter, essentially Joey said something to, along the lines like, uh, hey, Penelope, if you really wanted to touch uh, my penis, you could you have just asked something like that. And then Penelope was like, oh, I had such a hard time finding it. And then apparently like, Kip took over her her account and was like, oh, sorry, Penelope's busy with her hands in her mouth right now and it has this whole, like, back and forth, and I just I just do not like the direction this angle is going in.
0: Yeah, like, th- this is the other company. Yeah. You know,
1: like, this, yeah. This like, is... I understand storylines usually are better when you involve real-life drama. Yes, Joey Janela and Penelope Ford used to date. They used to be an act together on the indies. I think it does make sense to, for the fans of theirs to kind of acknowledge that. Because I know there's a lot of people who still hadn't even realized that Joey and Penelope broke up and were asking like why they weren't on screen together. So I, I'm fine with them like acknowledging it and mentioning like there was a breakup and, you know, maybe you do a match with Joey and Kip. But the whole direction they're going in right now with the, oh, you know, sexualizing and just pretty much making Penelope the four just like a s- sex object in their little, Feud. I'm not digging the direction of that like these guys are not edge Matt Hardy and Lita like this is just it's it's not over to that level, and I just don't like the direction they're going right now
0: absolutely uh uh maybe uh maybe this comes from the idea that you know on raw Lalana thing was like the highest rated part of the show and, right. and it had so many YouTube viewers, and I'm just like I don't want them doing that I don't want them like I always want them to want to be popular and to put on the best show, but I think they should put on the best version of their show. Right. And Do their thing, you know? And it's just like, this seems like it's someone else's thing. I can't save 100% Joey and Penelope was like, Joey maybe felt like his character wasn't going anywhere. And maybe they talked to backstage and they said, Hey, you know, maybe this will help both our careers. Cause Kip Sabian hasn't really, you know, gotten over like he wanted to. So, maybe they're looking at it as a nice feud between them as a way to get both of them over.
1: Right. And you know, it's one of those things too, where yes, the diehards know about the relationship between Joey and Penelope, but I don't know if the overall TNT audience knows that there was a history between Joey and Penelope. And I think it had been one of those things where they had just put their differences aside and they should have debuted Joey and Penelope together, had them be an act for these few months And then have her turn on him on TV and join Kip Sabian. And I think it would have made a little bit more sense that way. And then there would have been more heat that way as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it would have been more heat that way. And they, you know, I don't know what they're going to do. I hope this is just a Twitter thing. And maybe, maybe on being the elite, I don't want this on the main program. Right, yeah. Maybe, Maybe the result of them wrestling and stuff is on the main program. But... The back and forth, the Twitter stuff and all that stuff, I think that should be saved for social media and then kind of explained through the announcers.
1: Right. Yeah. I don't even want them like doing that stuff on social media either. It, I, to me, it just, I feel like it lowers all three people involved and it just seems like a, a stupid love triangle. It doesn't seem like a real like wrestling feud to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they've been broken up so long. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't have had Mox and Trent. Now, Trent...
1: Uh, before that, I think there was a uh, Dark, Dark Order. Order. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Video package from the Dark Order. Uh, he, he referred to the Exalted One in this video package. And, of course, I threw out a tweet that actually gained a little steam. Putting in my guess, well, not really a guess, but asking the question, what if, I'm just saying what if, what if Marty Skull is the is exalted one
1: yeah, okay. I mean there there's a possibility if, i mean from a story standpoint um you know all the elite they left Marty behind the ring of honor you know Cody said it all in that we're 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 all going together, no matter what he got left behind there there is storyline reasons for why he would be mad at the elite and want to get revenge on them and so it, it could make sense to have Marty kind of be in charge of the Dark, dark Order and he's the one that kind of wants to kill the Elite because he's mad that they left him behind.
0: Yes, and he absolutely puts him in a very hot storyline. Like, you know, I always wondered and I've been very open that I didn't know how they were going to introduce Marty. But to introduce him as the head of this faction, you immediately make him a threat to any title, any picture, and, you know... They rock the black color scheme, you know the mask. You know he has the bird mask. I'm like, it kind of goes. I'm not right. saying like I think that's 100%. It is what it is. But and the more people have talked and replied, the more I'm like, I think that's what it is.
1: Right, and obviously, you know Marty is super over. So putting you know Evil Uno and Stu Grayson with Marty, that will help elevate them as well. They'll help elevate the group, give them some legitimacy. And it's a great story to tell that Marty is angry at the elite and it's his it was his plan all along to, um, you know, he felt like he was losing being in Ring of Honor. He wants to be a winner, created this whole Dark Order thing and it was his whole plan to, you know, destroy the elite.
0: Yeah, and the fact that he was moving these pieces while working for another company, if they wanted to pull that up. He's like, I was running, I was controlling your company when I wasn't even here. That yeah. would be, that would be pretty that would be pretty cool i was very like it's like i kind of worked myself into a shoot as they say i got like oh that's who it is and if it's anybody else i'm upset now right Yeah, no, no i'm not gonna do that but <laughs> i would yeah. love <laughs> the only
1: only thing i don't like about that I, I just feel like marty is so over as a baby face right now and sells a lot of merch i feel like they could capitalize on him on his popularity right now as a face but i totally understand even if he's not in the Dark Order, when he debuts, like having him feud against the Elite, uh, he, he owns the copyright for Villain Enterprises. You can do Villain Enterprises versus the Elite and kind of do this tell this whole story of Marty uh, being mad at those guys. Yeah, and being the
0: villain, him starting to do crappy things, I don't think would hurt his popularity. Right. Yeah, so um, then we get Trent versus Mox. Trent is really good. And I know the point of this match was to get Mox over, but a lot of people looked into this match and, you know, they start realizing, well, Trent could be a singles competitor. And I know that was the path he was going on in New Japan before he signed with AEW. What do you think of Trent as a singles competitor?
1: Yeah, I really like uh, Trent in a singles role. You know, I've been seeing Trent for a long time now. I watched him in FCW and NXT, um, in kind of its beginning stages, and always thought that he brought something to the table in a singles role, and then he, he went over into New Japan. He was highlighted in the Roppongi, uh Vice Tag Team with Rocky Romero. They had a great run as a juniors tag team, and then they broke him off, and they were starting to push Trent as a singles, and Gato saw something very special in Trent and had plans on you know making Trent one of the you know top guys in the heavyweight division, and uh, if he was still there, I feel like he'd be one of the top guys used And New Japan of America, that obviously made the jump over to AEW. And, you know, the best friends are super over, but I do think, you know, Trent has a lot of potential as a top guy in a singles role.
0: Yeah, um, I really do like Trent. He has a perfect look, you know, uh, perfect look. I mean, the dude's jacked out of this world. He's just as big as anybody on the roster as far as height. I mean, he has the good look, he can work. Uh, I just like, you know, if they decide to go forward with him, I think that would be great for him.
1: Um, and I kind of like the slow build they're doing with him right now. Like, you know, he had this match with Moxley. He had um sort of a pack in a singles match on Dynamite. Like they're starting to put him up against some of the top singles guys and showing that he's not getting squashed. He's not getting, you know, bulldozer. He's having a 50-50 match with some of the top guys in AEW. And it's kind of playing that seed in the back of your mind like, hmm. Maybe he's gonna catch one of these guys one day, and he's going to get elevated.
0: Yeah, maybe Trent's a single, and you know maybe Chucky T starts uh, teaming with uh, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So we got some good spots in here. Uh, I saw the he did the like the paradigm shift on the outside. I thought that was crazy. Uh, Trent, Trent got really, really a uh, good uh move set. A uh, half and half suplex I saw in the match. Uh hit the DDT from the top ropes. I was just I was just like, you know, you knew who was going to win, you knew what the point of this match was, but I think Trent came out looking really good. Mox gave him a lot, so I do like that going forward. I think, you know, in a way Mox put Trent over.
1: Yeah, and Trent has an awesome pile driver also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where he hit, like, towards the end of this match. Yeah, Trent has a great move set, And like you mentioned, yeah, Moxley gave him a lot. It wasn't a squash. I know a lot of people I was talking to when this match was announced, they were asking me, like, do you think Moxley's just going to, like, bulldoze this guy so they can get to the Jericho segment? And I'm like, no, nah, like, Trent's really good, and they, they see something in him. I think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to be 20 minutes. I think it's probably be, you know, 10 minutes, but it'll be 50-50. Now this match, yeah, it went about exactly eleven minutes, and it was back and forth. Like Moxley wasn't one hundred percent in in control the whole time.
0: Yep, hits the Paradigm Shift for the win, uh, and got the victory. Uh, Sammy Rivera, after match, Sammy Rivera walked through the crowd, microphone called out Moxley, uh, and you know he says, you know, they got the big surprise. He's like, I'm not trying to fight you, and then he plays the video from Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho uh, shows him a really expensive car, like a, it's a GT. Uh, I'm, not, you know, I'm not a car guy, uh, immediately not a car guy.
1: Yeah, I'm not a car guy either, but I know it's like some uh, fan, fancy, super expensive car. <laughs> yeah. Something similar to like what John Cena bought a while ago. Yeah, like
0: there's only like 20 available, and it yeah. had the license plate uh, of Mox on it, and it says that car is yours, and then he offered him. 49% of the inner circle mm-hmm. 49% just less than controlling entrance interest. Uh, what do you think about that being the thing that he was not supposed to be able to uh, refuse?
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I think cause to me, obviously I think this is very obvious that Jericho and Moxley is going to be the title match for, revolution that moxley's not joined the inner circle but they are doing a good job of kind of teasing this thing out and You know bringing up the past relationship between moxley and jericho and so I think you know jericho It kind of plays into his character You know being this you know overly cocky pompous heel thinking that His inner circle is worth this much in such a big company that you know to, to jericho. That's an amazing deal Yeah here you know, you're getting 49 percent of this thing that I created of course this is a great deal you can't miss out on this and obviously to the rest of us we're like dude it's it's just a faction (laughs) yes And, and it
0: plays into the overall desperation of him not wanting to fight mox right i will give you anything if you don't fight me so i thought that was being cool uh mox replied you know he considers jericho a friend and a mentor and our respect i will give Give you the answer in person. The whole world will find out what's in store live on Dynamite next week, which makes for an intense travel week for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me let me ask you a question about that. Were you upset that Jericho was not there live, and there was no uh, resolution of whether or not Moxley was answering this week? See, uh, no, not at
0: all, because I knew he was already in Japan. Mm. Because, you know, we follow Twitter. You know, we're on social media 24-7. He literally, like, I'm getting on the plane to Japan right now. Yeah, I did not think he was going to be at the show. I didn't didn't know how they were going to do it. Uh, But I knew he wasn't in America, so it, of course, didn't bother me because I didn't expect him to show up.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of fans they they did not realize that Jericho was already in Japan and there was a lot of fans who were legit upset. Like when, when Mox said I'll I'll answer next week, there was loud booze from the crowd. They were very upset that we weren't getting Jericho live and that Moxie wasn't giving his answer right then and there. A lot of people were saying that it was false advertisement, that they advertised a segment and that what that Mox was going to answer.
0: Well, well? Tech. I mean, if you if you want to go to technically, he did give an answer, and his answer was that he was going to give an answer next week. Right. I, I mean, if you want to go to technicalities of it, but it's just like one of those things teasing for next week. It's to me when some people complain about wrestling sometimes, I always wonder: have they never watched wrestling before?
1: Right. And, you know, I, I look back at, at the graphic that advertised the segment, and it says, will John Moxley join Jericho's inner circle? Never did they say that Jericho was going to be there alive. They did not guarantee that John Moxley was going to answer this week. They just simply asked the question, will he join Jericho's inner circle this week?
0: Yeah, and it's just... It's he did just,
1: not join this week yet.
0: Yeah, it's such a common wrestling trope you know what i mean i didn't think he was going to answer if jericho showed up for the five minutes before leaving on his flight to uh, leaving on his flight to tokyo or whatever i still don't think he would have answered it's supposed to be dragged out the pay-per-view is not till the end of february
1: right now i will say jericho two weeks ago on the last dynamite of the year did make it seem like he was going to be there in person to present moxley this offer he did he
0: did he alluded
1: to it right but at the end of the day we still got jerry whether it was pre-tape or not jericho was there too he did present moxley the offer but moxley just just didn't answer he wasn't ready to answer the offer right then and there
0: yeah it's just like i said it's one of those things i'm not expecting everybody to be 30 year wrestling fans or whatever or 20 year wrestling fans or have been watching uh the show forever I don't expect it, but I'm just going to explain. There are some common storytelling tropes in wrestling, and one of them is delaying you. It's like right. they're delaying the build of something, especially when you have this long a time between the pay-per-view. It's like, it's it's damn near two months. At the right. time of the show, it was like only a day past two months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they're not going to want uh, – you know, them to be overly physical before the pay-per-view. So, you're going to have to – they're going to be setting the story and pushing it back and pushing it back. And like, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Moxley goes to answer next week in South Haven and Jericho stops him because he thinks he's going to say no. Right. And then throw something on top of it and they have to wait another week. You know, it's just – it's not it's not this whole – it's not this whole – The the job is to get you to watch next week. And if they finish everything every week, there's no reason to watch next week.
1: And at the end of the day, like, does anybody really think that Moxley is actually going to join the inner circle?
0: Dude, I I mean, if he did something, (laughs) it would be really cool if he did something where he, like, joined for a week or something like that. To get Chris Jericho to lower his guard. Just because the shock of him joining. Oh, my God. People would like compla- oh god people would complain so much
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and we and we've seen angles like that in wrestling history you know yeah the guy joins the group you don't think he's going to join he lays low then catches the, the leader off you know when he least expect it and they could easily do that like you mentioned we still have a few weeks uh a lot of, a lot of weeks have we have a lot left, of weeks <laughs> left until revolution so you could yeah have this whole thing yeah Mox joins the inner circle And he's a part of the inner circle for the rest of January. And then at the beginning of February, um, you know, they do like a tag match like Jericho, Mox. And then next thing you know, like Mox hits the paradigm ship out of nowhere, calls Jericho to get a pinfall loss. And then kicks off, you know, I'm challenging you for revolution. Yeah,
0: absolutely. We have eight full dynamites before revolution eight shows that's yeah, a lot so that's they, a lot they, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's that's a lot so I, lo- I look forward to wh- what way they go and you know how they get to it because you know a lot of times in wrestling you kind of know the beginning you kind of know the end the journey is what's in the middle you know and I'm hoping everyone takes the time to enjoy this journey because Jericho's brilliant on the mic even pre-recorded he was fucking awesome Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, like the dude like so don't skip past the fact that Jericho's awesome to be like, well, we didn't get exactly what we thought we were going to get this week. Right. Yeah. Enjoy it. Just enjoy it. So with Sammy Guerrero already still out there, uh, Dustin Rhodes comes out. He he actually his music starts and Dustin, he uh, attacks him from behind. There was a little change in the music. Uh, a little upbeat i couldn 't really tell, uh, but uh when uh, Dustin attacks them, they start having a match. Dustin's pretty much got full control of the match, and then somewhere in the middle, jake hager uh, Jake Hager uh comes down to the uh, ring to keep his eye on everything so and in general, what did you think of the overall match?
1: You know, I thought, I thought the match was fine. I would say if, out of all the matches on Dynamite that night, that was probably my least favorite match. And, you know, I like Sam I like Dustin, but I don't know what it was like. To me, this was the one match that kind of felt like it was longer than it should have been.
0: Yes, I, uh, I completely agree.
1: And I don't know, it's, I just felt like all the other matches, like I felt like this was a one match like stylistically and with the two guys that just did not fit the just fit the other matches. Like all the other matches were like these like fast, like high octane. You had like big stars, like um some big matches and um a lot of cool matches. And this match, like it was, you know, solid, you know, pro wrestling one on one, cocky heel going against a veteran baby face. Um but it, it just wasn't as, you know, appealing or as flashy as the other matches that night. And it just I don't know, it just felt out of place.
0: So um with uh uh what am I thinking of sammy g uh, Sammy G was out in the ring, so this made sense, but I feel like this match should have been where the women's match was, and the women's match should have been here, just flip flop those two spots. but I understand for flow, Sammy's already out there talking to you know Moxley, so then have Dustin come out to the ring. I get it, it just didn't feel like a second from the top type thing you know what I mean yeah yeah so we get uh we did get Rhodes doing his you know ever so lovely power slam and then he pulled off a Canadian destroyer on the apron I I truly believe one of the most overused moves in wrestling I did love watching Dustin do it but I wish people would just stop throwing Canadian destroyers I don't know how you feel about that
1: so, yeah, I, you know, I was a big TNA fan um, back in the day, and I watched uh, the rise of Petey Williams, the inventor of the Canadian Destroyer. That move used to be his finisher. I remember the first time I saw it, I popped, like, a, wow, that is an awesome finisher. And I, I love that move as a finisher. And it's just one of those things. Yes, like, it is awesome to see, like, multiple Destroyers back-to-back in a match, and a Destroyer on an apron is cool. But at the end of the day, it's still a flipping pile driver, and the fact that he did the flip pile driver on the apron, like I feel like that should be a yeah. fit. that should be the end of the match like there should be no kicking out of that, yeah,
0: how does Sammy get up and have any type of equilibrium to continue the match? I know it's just it seems weird, and then you have that big spot, and then the finish comes with you know uh. Hager just low blows Dustin, and then you know, yeah, and he just pins him, and it's just such a laugh finish. It was like the match wasn't that great. And like in a comparison, you know, when Styles Clash, I compared it to when the Rhodes brothers fought against uh, the uh, the Bucks. How it's just like, like this should work, but it doesn't work, and that's how this match was to me.
1: It just didn't right work. and honestly. Also- with all like, the the Hager interference, I think that kind of probably dragged the match down too. Like, and that's why I felt like the match probably should have been shorter. Right. Like, they could have just had like Dustin like uh, steamroll Guevara for majority of the match. Then you have Hager come out, cause the distraction. Sammy pulls a quick upset victory, and then you go from there instead of like dragging it out and having trying to have like a full on match.
0: Yeah, I thought Hager should have hit a move. Like a move, move instead of whatever the hell that. Was. I guess they called it a low blow, but it looked like he missed.
1: You know what I, I mean? Yeah, I think he need him. He like he like need him in the balls because they're trying to play off of Bellator. Yeah, and that last fight he had where he kept kneeing his opponent uh, below the belt and got uh, disqualified. So they've been doing that a couple of times. Like in the the beat down of Dustin, he like low, he had low blowed him also for knee to the balls. Um uh, Yeah. I felt, and also, too, it was kind of weird because Sammy was distracting the ref, and Dustin wasn't down, and then Dustin gets a low blow. Uh, we had some technical difficulties.
0: Uh, Jeremy's going to pick up from his last point. We were in the Sammy Guevara-Dustin Rhodes match. There, go ahead, Jeremy.
1: Yeah, so I was saying the, the finish was kind of weird because Sammy is um, down, or he's in the corner. He's getting ready to get the Shattered Dreams, and then... Um, the ref gets to, he's distracting the ref and then he gets, um, Hager low blows Dustin. And then Sammy jumps with the pins. Like one of the ref wonder, like how Dustin just like fell down all of a sudden and Sammy was able to pin him for three seconds. Like it kind of made the ref, um, uh, ref look bad.
0: Yeah. And it was one of those ones I'm used to that kind of stuff, but it was like, so blatant, you know what I mean? It was like the, if if you were to take it to court, most reasonable people would have been like the only thing that could have happened is Jake Hager doing something.
1: Right. And, you know, I'm I'm totally fine with like a distraction finish or whatever you want to get heat, use Hager. Just to make it a little bit more like realistic, you know, maybe pull the foot or some, something to where it's not like completely obvious. Like, okay, like he was on offense and all of a sudden now he's just down and. Sammy can pin him.
0: Yeah, and he just pinned him. It was like he did no offensive move. I thought he was going to do like a high-flying move. But right. he, just, he just, you know, hey, all right, I'll take the three now.
1: Yeah, and I totally understand that, you know, AEW, they don't want to do a disqualification. But I think they need to do maybe just one. Maybe like one every once a year. Just so you know, disqualifications can actually happen and these refs actually have some kind of authority besides just like a pinfall or submission, like they can actually disqualify somebody and you know, that is an actual option.
0: Yeah, like and the perfect person that would be to get DQ'd is like someone like Jericho. Someone that a DQ wouldn't hurt.
1: Right. Yeah, any any Jericho, I mean MJF, any of those top heels that You want to generate heat like fans are going to get pissed off about a DQ finish. So you do it on somebody that could benefit from the heat. And then you only do it once, maybe twice a year. And that way it's special. Just like in New Japan, like it's the same issue where the refs let a lot happen. But they do do a DQ every once in a while to let you know DQs can happen. And if a ref is tired of dealing with something, he's just going to throw the match out.
0: Oh, my favorite ones were with Red Shoes where... I didn't clearly see you do anything, but I'm not an idiot.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's like, I'm just going to DQ you because I know something happened and it wasn't right. And I, I, I always thought that was brilliant. And it's like, I know some people don't like him getting over dramatic, but a DQ happens so rare, you know? All right. You know? Yeah.
1: And I also like sometimes what red shoes would do is like, somebody will blatantly like, Gouge the eyes or cheat right in front of him, and he won't. they go for a pin, and he won't count it. Yeah, he's like, no, you're not. You're gonna, you're gonna have to work for your pin. Like, I'm not counting the pin there. Like, do something else, and then I'll count the pin.
0: That shows true authority to me for the referee. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, other than like pointing really and making really big expressions, I love my arbury. But pretty much, that's the only kind of disciplinary action you get is arbury pointing at you really hard right yeah so uh yeah so that's it uh so sammy did get the win then the promo mjf comes out with warlow walks down the ring and he's gonna announce his stipulations
1: but real quick before the promo we did have the uh the private party segment when they are oh, okay. and the uh, hangman page came out and kind of interrupted their, their segment with uh jen decker
0: yeah and he he was pouring himself a drink behind their bar, and then they grabbed a drink and trying to show, express that you know Hangman might be drinking too much, and he did not like that.
1: Right. Yeah, they're worried about them, and he said uh, that he'll whip both their asses.
0: <laughs> yes. So uh, then, uh, uh, yeah, we see, we see from Hangman later, but then we get MJF. Yeah. So what did you think about this promo overall for MJF?
1: Overall, I thought it was great, dude. MJF is one of the best talkers going in the business today. This guy is so smooth on the mic, knows how to generate heat. You know, it's very rare nowadays that heels are are not cool heels and trying to, you know, get cheers. And um, he, he generates heel heat, man. It's like you're watching something from the 80s or early 90s. Like, he knows how to get on the crowd's nerves, and he, he knows – The perfect things to say, even ad-lib, you can tell that are not scripted. And he's just awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's the best on the mic, especially like ad-libbing and stuff that I've heard since Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I think that's like the biggest compliment I can give someone because I don't think any wrestler was on the Brain's level, you know. I mean, Roddy Piper was great, but the Brain, he had a comeback for everything.
1: Yeah, and I think you know one thing. AEW, they're 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 doing they're they are highlighting some of these guys' strengths. MJF's strength is on the mic. Um, He hasn't been in many matches, but he's been in a lot of talking segments, and that's what's been getting him over. I would like to see him have a few more matches, but um, his promos are so great. Like that's been what's been getting him over.
0: Yeah, I want I want him to beat up QT on the show.
1: Yeah, they can do that.
0: That's like Cody's friend or whatever. Yeah, just beat the crap out of him on the show, you know. Run through all the uh, people Cody like. Uh, But the three stipulations. Stipulation number one, Cody can't lay his hands on MJF before revolution. Mm -hmm. Number two, Cody has to go one-on-one with a wrestler of MJF's choosing. The wrestler that he chooses is Wardlow. And then he decides to up it and say the match is going to be in a solid steel cage. That was that was different. I yeah. don't know, I don't know anyone that predicted anything like that.
1: Yeah, no, I don't. I didn't see anybody predict that. It's pretty exciting. AEW's uh, first steel cage match.
0: Yep, and Wardlow's debut match. Yeah. And um, stipulation number three, live on TNT. In front of your family and friends and God, he says he's going to whip Cody 10 times on his back. Mm. So I'm guessing this is going to happen in Atlanta since he says in front of uh, family and friends and God. So the three stipulations, did they stick with you? What do you mean? Like. Do you think they're solid stipulations? Did they, like, I don't, none of these were any that I ever heard anyone guess.
1: Yeah, I didn't see anybody guess these, and I I think they're kind of great stipulations as far as a heel side on MJF. Like, if Cody really wants this match, like, A, he has to restrain himself and not try to attack MJF until Revolution at the end of February. B, he has to beat this monster in Wardlow in a steel cage where there are no disqualifications and MJF could easily help Wardlow win. And then when he gets through all of that, he still has to get down on his hands and knees and get 10 lashes in MJF and not re- retaliate. So it's literally stacking the deck against Cody. It's getting a lot of uh, sympathy for Cody and it's a great way to see like how bad do you really want this match.
0: Yeah, I mean you got to want it pretty bad to get whipped 10 times, man. I thought this was I I thought this was one of those things where like when people were asking me, I was like the dog? I mean, I really had no guess and I I am pretty happy with these stipulations and it does a great build. So you got a steel cage match you can build to. You got the whipping you can do on a different other week. And then you can tease MJF to keep doing shit to Cody to try to get Cody, you know, to hit him.
1: Right. Yeah, there's plenty of segments that build up. that can they can do one of those eight weeks that build to the pay-per-view.
0: All right. So, yeah, I thought that was really cool. And he's going to uh, he's like, oh, what is his line? Each scar will remind me that I'm, it might be a reminder that I'm better than you and you know it. It's, it's crazy.
1: And, and for that segment, as soon as he announced that, I was just picturing, um, you know, the Tommy Dreamer Raven segment. Oh,
0: yes. Thank you, sir. May I have another?
1: Yeah, thank you, sir. May I have another? I could see Cody saying something like that as he's getting whipped by MJF.
0: God, that's going to be so awesome. And and
1: I can and- pic- picture the, the women in the crowd crying as Cody is getting whipped
0: Yes, and Arn Arn Anderson standing there like you can take it just, you know, one more, just one more, you know, kinda of telling them to keep going, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Last but not least, we got the main event. The elite. The the elite. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus the bastard Pac and Lucha and the Lucha Bros. Phoenix and Pentagon Junior uh hangman had been drinking some cocktails he joined the commentary he then found out on commentary that he was tagging with kenny omega the next (laughs) week against private party he's like i didn't know that yeah because jr asked him directly you're not with the elite anymore he's like well i'm trying (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah and uh, also when they were like Writing down stuff they had a, that quick Segment with uh, Riho in the back
0: yeah, oh, yeah and Britt Baker Actually it came From the heart I could see that And it actually was very Believable I don't how did you take It
1: yeah I thought it was very believable I think Britt Baker is better Off as a heel uh, I mean She has uh, RBF and you know they keep pushing this whole dentist thing and I think that plays off better if you're a heel like I'm better than all these women because I'm a dentist I have my own practice and I'm still here wrestling every week like I'm better than you I'm better than everybody it's something I think that can make her very arrogant and I just feel like she she would just be better off being a heel and so I think this is kind of a step in that direction
0: yes I mean she has so much material as a heel like the fact, and, and if she wants to use it, I am okay with her not using it. She is your own person. But the fact that she's with Adam Cole, oh, my God, she could put that over and get her so much heat. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I know she's our own person. She might not ever use it, but it's there, <laughs> you know, because they're the enemy, you know, especially when you're talking to a live AEW crowd yeah so she could play up a lot of stuff i mean from the first time I saw her or saw her wrestle, I thought she- you know she was a heel
1: yeah i mean she just kind of comes off like she just has that there's something about her like the- it's her present it's kind of like she has like i'm I'm that better than you kind of vibe about her and not in a good way it's like almost like a mean girl kind of way
0: yeah i yeah absolutely, and and it's just it is like she seems so uncomfortable playing a face. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I think yeah, get get her in there, let her play the character that she is, uh, you know, that she's more, you know, comfortable with, and that's what I. And I think she like the way she talks. I think she'll be good on the mic as a heel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think she'll be much yeah more comfortable and she can just truly like this promo right here. Like how She let Riho have it. Like, you know, you, you come in, you steal the win and you go away. I'm here every week. I have my own practice and I still manage to show up and wrestle. And But you just want to, you know, come in and come out as you please. And so and I think she keeps, you know, cutting promos like that. She's going to she's going to get somewhere.
0: And she called the win a fluke, which is such a heel thing. Right. Yes. Uh. So, the best way to describe this tag team match, for all of you for people that are familiar with Social Suplex and happen to listen to One Nation Radio, this match was Rich Ladders Pro Wrestling.
1: Yeah, this was awesome. (laughs) This was my uh, favorite match watching live at the tapings. This was an all-out sprint. It reminded me of the main event of All In, that six-man tag um, you know, this was a, a 13 minute sprint. Uh, double destroyers, V triggers, sling blades, black arrows, Hurricane Rana, super kicks like any crazy high spot move you can think these guys were doing it and they were doing it at a fast pace and it was awesome.
0: Yes. And it was just like they were all on. Like a couple times with Phoenix over the last couple of months, he's like, Got lost in the middle of spots, or where he was going for his own thing, and no one knew what was coming. That didn't was not a problem in this match. Everything looked crisp and good, and super kicks out of nowhere, and you know ends with a one winged angel.
1: Yeah, and you know I loved that the whole theme of this show was like, will the elite get back on track? And we had the Cody match, and he won, and then this main event here. And I love that the elite did win. Um, And that's one thing I've been loving about AEW is that they have been able to take feedback and adjust. They know a lot of fans and a lot of, uh, you know, reporters and wrestling journalists, wrestling media have been complaining that of the lack of focus on the elite and the fact that the elite have not been winning. And they turned that into a storyline. That was a whole theme of this show. And all the current members of the elite got big wins.
0: Yeah, I I just thought it was a perfect episode, especially when you're not going up against anyone. Uh, I thought this was like you would probably getting more eyes on your uh, product than you normally would. Maybe some eyes that are normally at the other brand. Uh, I thought this was like an all-around good wrestling show.
1: Yeah, from yeah, from opening to closing. Yeah, this was a great wrestling show. And you know, as soon as I saw this card and I knew that NXT was doing their awards show, I'm like, yeah, they're they're gonna get close to a million tonight.
0: Yeah, and they, they did. They did um the exact number it was really, really close. Nine hundred and sixty seven thousand uh to NXT's five hundred and forty eight thousand, which I have to tell you. The NXT number is impressive because they didn't put on one match,
1: right? The well, did, they, the they were, there were there were uh, replays of takeover matches though.
0: Yeah, it was just like an award show. So I was really, really like that. I mean, if I was NXT people, I'm like, we didn't even run a live show, and we still got <laughs> five hundred forty eight thousand, yeah. which is pretty amazing. So, uh, but yeah, nine hundred sixty seven thousand strong numbers in eighteen eighteen to thirty four. I think it was uh, four hundred sixty-seven thousand to one hundred ninety-five thousand, and of course Dave Meltzer always lets us know that uh that you know DVR numbers generally bring the total up to that one point four million they got from the first week. Right. We're just worried about the live nine hundred sixty-seven thousand. Very good week. Very strong showing. Like I said, I had messaged a friend, and I was like, because honestly. The doom and gloom really didn't get to me, but it, it it made me start questioning things. Yeah. So so it was like, oh, okay. So I saw this number. I was like, oh, okay, we're all right. Because that and- the, 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 that was the whole thing. It was just.
1: Okay. Yeah, and one more thing about the main event: something that uh, uh, kind of alarmed me a little bit, and I don't know how. It, well, I guess watch it back, but um, but the elite entrance when they came out. It was one of the, the weaker pops that I've ever heard for the Elite, and I've seen these guys in action a lot in the last two years, and they always get huge pops as soon as their music hits. And I don't know if it was because they came out with the being the Elite music or if the crowd was getting tired, but it didn't seem as loud of a pop when their music hit.
0: Yeah, the, the, you know what? I did not notice that at the time. But now that you bring it up, I kind of remember it. And that's kind of, yeah, that is kind of weird. Were you cold? Because I heard it was a little chilly out there.
1: It was cold, but where we were sitting, we kind of had like a a little roof over us. So it didn't, it wasn't as cold in in the section where we were at. We were in section uh, 205, I think it was. And where we were at, it wasn't quite cold. So maybe everybody else and where they were sitting, Maybe they were cold. Maybe there were fans who just didn't recognize the being the elite theme and were expecting Super Kick Party or a Battle Cry. And maybe that was it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be any of that, but that is kind of weird that they didn't get the pop that y'all you know, like. You're used to hearing, and you know that's the good thing about having you in there because that's not something I don't think we would have picked up on from the outside of it,
1: right? Cause I, you know, and yeah, young boys with me and a couple other friends of the show, and I remember he looked over at me and he was just like, "Bro, like that's not the pop these guys should be getting. Like this should be a lot louder. Like we've been at Ring of Honor shows, we were at All In, like we we've seen these guys, we've heard these guys get monstrous pops, and like this wasn't what I was expecting." And I feel like the Lucha Bros got a way bigger reaction at first than the elite did.
0: Well the Lucha Bros when you know when the shows you know when this show started, I said I thought Ray Phoenix and Pentagon were going to be the breakout stars because they were on impact and you know, not a lot of people saw them. And it's just like when I saw them for the first time, person that, you know, been watching wrestling forever I thought wow, I've never seen anything like this. And they immediately became some of my favorite wrestlers and I think uh I think that's what's happening with a lot of people. And I know this Pentagon first, but then I saw Reeve Phoenix work and oh my god. I mean, I always say he he's probably one of the better best wrestlers in the world and it's not right. yeah, I think he's right there. So, uh,
1: I also think that um the fact that the Lucha Bros, I feel like they've they've been winning a lot more than the Elite, and I do think those wins and losses do play into who people are getting behind. And yes, this is all Elite wrestling, and it's you know the Elite brought us to the table, but the Lucha Bros are a team they've been spotlighting and have been getting wins, and so and you mentioned just how you know charismatic Pentagon is and how um, amazing Ray Phoenix is in the ring, so they're starting to draw some of these fans behind them.
0: Yeah, that spot where Pentagon takes off his glove and he throws it, and Kenny kind of doesn't even move and catches it, and it slaps him with the glove. Oh, my God. That was... I popped hard for that <laughs> one. And I was like, man, this is this is awesome. I love these... I love when Kenny gets in the ring with Pentagon. You know, that, that match was at all-in, and it was just a hell of a match. And I just... Yeah, anytime these people can get in the ring, and honestly, it generally doesn't even matter... Who the Lucha Bros partner is, it's gonna be a hell of a match. This time, you have one of the best wrestlers in the world in the bastard, Pac. You know, he only adds to it. And everything all the rest of them can do, Pac can do it too. You know, so it's like it wasn't like you brought in somebody that couldn't hang.
1: And something, I don't know if people notice this or not too, but this was the match that was originally advertised as a main event for Fighter Fest before there was the whole visa or whatever you issues with PAC, and they had to pull in uh, Laredo Kid. So it was pretty cool that they went back to this match that they weren't able to deliver earlier uh, last year.
0: So just saying, you know, for all these people that panic and got their hands waving, rabble, 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 because, you know, you have to switch a match from one week to another, you know. AEW generally finds a way to get you. They, they, they find a way to make it up to you. You know, Right. So, I mean,
1: if they didn't even do this match, I thought Laredo Kid that night was an excellent repa- replacement. And Laredo Kid is another phenomenal guy that I expect to kind of get some more U.S. states this year and break out. So they didn't even have to run this back. But, yeah, they ran this match back. And then with the whole women's title picture, we're getting the Riho-Chris Statlander match next week.
0: Yeah, and that's what I was like. Uh, I had a friend that said, you know, that made him look stupid. I was like, I'm like, are you serious? I was like, if you listen, you watch the other company, as I have so lovingly called them, they promise matches and don't deliver all the time. Yeah. All AEW did was push the match back a week.
1: Are right. I saw yeah. a lot of people that were like, oh, they advertise this match for weeks and now they're switching it. I'm like. First of all, I think it was like two weeks that the match was advertised, and the match is still happening a week later. Now, I do think they should have probably figured that out a- ahead of time, and that way, like we were saying earlier, like they could have just had a normal match here and then really pushed that match next week. But it is what it is. I think it's great that uh, Chris Datlander it shows her character that she wanted to, um, you know, keep her word and. Uh, stick with her date at bar wrestling and it shows that AEW is willing to you know work with people like that as well so i think it's good that she stuck to her commitment and we're still getting the match next week i mean i am sad i didn't get to see chris statlander in person i am in love with an alien um but you know one of these days i will get to see her uh live in action
0: yeah you definitely I, i i mean i could see that definitely happening. uh she it was funny she did the week before they came to Dallas. She did her uh, a meet and greet before the show, and then when my week she wasn't, you know, even on the show, and I was a little, yeah. you know, I was a little annoyed.
1: But actually, you know, it's funny. We I actually did see her in action at um, Shimmer in New York, but I had no idea who she was then, and it just went right over my head. Like I don't even remember the match, uh, and you know, now I'm in love, and I, I want to see her any chance I get.
0: <laughs> oh man, it's like the crap I get from. Uh, I get from young boy when I was at that uh, new, I think it was the new Orleans show. And he's like, you were there with this person, this person, this I'm like, yeah, but I was tired and I didn't know who they were. So I, right. I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but WrestleMania is a long day. You know? <laughs> yeah. You it? It's a very, very <laughs> long day. And it was at the end of a very, very long day. I only went to the show because it was across the street from Access. So <laughs> it was like, oh, shit, I don't want to go back to the room yet. So I went to the show. Yeah. And, and Suzuki was on it. That's why I went. I, I had never seen Monoro Suzuki live, so I wanted to see that. But, uh yeah, I remember that. But I don't remember a lot more of the show.
1: Now, I do have a question for you coming, coming off of this main event. So, clearly, they have been building up. You know, Pac wants a rubber match with Kenny. And also, they're been teasing Kenny versus Hangman. Which match do you think they're going to do at the pay-per-view? Do you think they're going to go with the Pack um Omega 3 or they're going to do uh Omega and Hangman?
0: I think they're going to go with Pack and Omega 3. Okay. I just I I just think it's it's a it's a pay-per-view quality match. They might build it up to where the winner gets the next title shot Mm. because that'll then lead if 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 they're doing like a pay-per-view the big title shot to their pay-per-view that would lead into double or nothing and the main event of double or nothing last year was jericho and omega let's do it again before the title right yeah i think i mean if i'm if i'm just kind of Fast forwarding, seeing what's logical, and you know because you know everyone to me, the goal the goal will be to get in on Omega eventually, so
1: right, yeah, I think yeah Omega, his kind of story right now is to get in that picture and beat Jericho and get that Aew title and it would make perfect sense a year later, he finds himself right back in that position and he has the chance to actually to be able to beat Jericho.
0: Yeah, and he comes in prepared. You get a good few-month build, and, you know, the elite versus the inner circle type thing. I think that would be pretty awesome.
1: Now, but there is one monkey wrench, though. Uh, Chris Jericho would have to get past John Moxley.
0: Chris Jericho would have to get past John Moxley.
1: Which, there is a story for Mox and Omega, because technically these guys have not wrestled yet. So you could have Moxley win the title and you do um, officially, legally, uh, Mox versus Omega for the title. Oh,
0: yeah, that would be another big draw. That would be another big draw. I just, I think, you know, I think either one of those could definitely happen. Uh, I like Mox on, I like Mox in the position that he's in. I don't think, and this is, uh, this is just for optics. I don't think you want to go former WWE legend to another former WWE legend because that would make it look like the rest of the roster is under them.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, personally, I think the better story would be to do um, Omega Jericho and have Omega take it from Jericho. I mean, it's already going to be kind of weird that the main event, in the next pay-per-view is going to be two former WWE guys in the world title picture. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot of people complaining about that. Um, but, I mean, there's, they're two hot guys, and it's going to be a great feud. Uh, but, yeah, I do think they need to make sure the elite guys are kind of in there with the WWE guys.
0: Yes, and I just want to let everyone know that John Moxley would kick Dean Ambrose's ass. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't even be close. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be a squash match, you know. That dude would be over there with a the hot dog card or some shit. i don't know i don't know about that guy but i like that john moxley guy he's pretty good at wrestling oh uh let's see the reason now we get to the reason that we brought you on the big the big the thing that the thing that the nerdy wrestling world is talking about so i know a lot of casual fans don't even know this is going on but it's wrestle kingdom 14 and why will we be talking about wrestle kingdom 14 on an AEW podcast? Well, we got two of the biggest stars of the AEW, the aforementioned John Moxley and Chris Jericho, respectively, are on the show. So, let's talk about the U.S. title match. That's on the first night. We got Lance Archer going up against John Moxley in a Texas death match, the Japanese style Texas death match. The winner only can win by submission or a knockout or a 10 count in uh, in this case. So, man, uh, I've heard it on uh, I heard it on keeping a strong style. But for those that don't listen to keeping a strong style, which you should show drops every Monday. But which uh, what do you think is going to happen in this match?
1: Yeah, so I think this match is going to be a wild, crazy brawl. And just to catch up those people who might not know the whole story here, so John Moxley was in New Japan and wrestled in New Japan a lot this year, and he won the IWGP US title from Juice Robinson at the Best of Super Junior Finals, and then um, he was supposed to defend that title again against Juice. Juice beat him... In the G1 finals towards the end. And then that was going to set the rematch up at King of Poor Wrestling. Uh, Mox was not able to make the title defense due to a tsunami. And it's uh, traditional New Japan rules when they advertise a title match. And the champion can't make it whether it's his fault or not. They strip the champion of the title and they do another title match. So they did um, Lance Archer versus Juice Robinson. And Lance Archer won the title from there. So John Moxley is coming back to challenge for the title that he technically never lost. And it's going to be this Texas death match. And I think it's going to be a wild, crazy brawl. These guys are going to be battling all up and down the Tokyo Dome. They're going to be putting each other through tables. It's going to be a very intense matchup. And I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I am absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, I, I said G1 Moxley is my favorite version of Moxley. Uh, just putting on killer match after killer match, and just being this vicious hardcore guy that'll do anything to win. So you're going up against the Murder Hawk, Monster Lance Archer. I just think it's gonna be violent. There is not gonna be any lockups. There's not gonna be any headlocks. It's gonna be a fight. I see personally. I see Moxley coming out as the victor. Because, you know, as I keep up with the show and watch the big shows, I think the original story, in my mind, was to have Robinson get his title back from Moxley. But then Moxley Moxley couldn't make the show. So I think this is a way of reverting back to that original plan.
1: Exactly, yeah. The plan was, you know, at King of Pro Wrestling, for Juice to get the title back. Beat Mox again, and that would have elevated Juice, which they're definitely looking to do, especially coming this year with all the America shows. And, yeah, they weren't able to do that. So, A, they get to reward Lance Archer, one, for just having an amazing year and stepping up in that singles division, and reward him, too, for just being able to step in kind of at the last minute there in that U.S. title picture. So you reward Lance Archer, you get him a big single spot on the Tokyo Dome against one of the hottest stars in all of wrestling today. Reward him there, and then you get the title back on Mox, and then you can do your original plan, which you were going to do. So the winner of this match will face Juice Robinson on night two. So we both think Mox Moxley's going to win. He's going to face Juice on night two, and they can do the match that was supposed to happen at King of Pro Wrestling. And uh, Juice will then defeat John Moxley, be the U.S. champion, and get ready to, you know, uh, Jump aboard New Japan of America with the upcoming uh, New Beginning in USA Tour.
0: Perfect. And then you have a perfect reason for Lance Archer to get another title shot because the last time him and Juice wrestled, he beat Juice and he wouldn't have gotten pinned by Moxley.
1: Right. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure one of these nights, it's going to probably be Juice versus Archer for the U.S. title when they make their debut here in the Southeast later this month. And I think another good reason for Moxley winning too is like you you have John Moxley in Japan, why not book him twice? Like get your money's worth of him. You have him on night one, you have the option to use him night two. You're gonna use him night two. Uh, you know, we, we saw um the positive effect that Chris Jericho has had on New Japan world subscriptions and during the summer we saw Moxley's effects during the G one on their subscriptions. So Having Mox on there two nights, especially for casual fans or AEW fans, guys listening to this podcast who love Moxley, this is your chance to for New Japan to hook those fans on both nights, whether they're watching on New Japan World or they decide to go the fight TV route.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's uh, one of those one of those win win situations for for everyone. I mean, you know, Moxley's on TV more. And you know he's he signed with New Japan first, so I don't know if this finishes commitment or if they get a few more uh, weeks out of him. But it, you can get him out of the U.S. title picture and maybe give him a, a, someone else big. You know, right. I mean he he immediately fits wherever you want to just because of his name.
1: Right. Yeah. Everything I've heard, especially just from Moxley himself, he plans on continuing to work for New Japan. Um, in the future, and it's, you know, I expect to see him. I've heard that he's going to actually work more New Japan this year, uh, in between AEW stuff. So I think we're going to see a lot more of him in Japan. And right now, you know, with um, New Japan coming to America, you know, Tony Khan does, doesn't want AEW guys working for competitors in America. So John Moxley as U.S. champion doesn't really work out because you can't have they wouldn't be able to have their U.S. champ defend on U.S. shows. So it does make sense to get that on Juice Robinson and then you could use Moxley in Japan. He I could see him challenging for the IWGP title. Um there's other dream matches. You know, he could wrestle Suzuki. People want to see the ECE rematch. There's a ton of stuff for him to do outside of the US title. Uh you can put on the jap you know, the, the IC title, the never title on him, a title that they don't necessarily need defended in the US if you want to put a belt on him.
0: Absolutely. Well, the next match is my most anticipated match of the weekend. (laughs) The fate of the wrestling world is on the line as Chris Jericho could wrestle, who could uh, be wrestling against my new favorite wrestler, Tanahashi, if he wins this. Tanahashi, I need him to win this match. (laughs) He will get, uh, even though I know how the results are decided in wrestling, he would get like an undying loyalty because I've never been a Tanahashi guy. Never. I always (laughs) say it'd be like catching to, to me. Tanahashi is like catching John Cena in year 12. Right. You don't have that history with him to have that love for him that everyone else does. And he's like slower and, you know, doesn't get quite as high when he jumps over the ropes and all that stuff, which to me, that's as high as he's ever gotten. 'Cause I just started watching them. You get what I'm saying?
1: Right. I totally understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's any top star. I mean, if back in the day if you came in late on the Hogan run, you might not not understand why people love Hogan. If you came in late on, you know, Shawn Michaels or any of these other top guys and you don't see them in their fully uh their full prime, yeah, it's kind of hard to get behind them. So I know a lot of people, you know, who have started watching the last year or so Yes, you understand Tanahashi's the ace, but you might not truly fully have the appreciation if you A, didn't follow him from the beginning or gone back and watched you know, some of that stuff, especially you know, leading out of the Dark Ages and into this kind of Wrestle Kingdom era and his run that he's had the last decade. It's it's hard to have that uh, emotional attach- attachment if you haven't done that with all that.
0: But yes, I will say this, and this is my biggest compliment to Tanahashi, he has the most violent looking fro- uh, frog splash ever. Violent looking frog splash is what I was trying to say. Ever. I always said, it. like, everyone else looks like a pretty move. His looks like an assault.
1: Yeah, it looks like he, he's, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to hurt you by <laughs> driving my body through yours. <laughs> yes,
0: it's like Robin Nam's is pretty. He gets super, super high. You know, Eddie Guerrero is the first one I ever seen. Beautiful, you know. D'Lo Brown, he, you know, puts a little swag on it. I get it, but <laughs> Tanahashi's looks like it hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it looks like I'm only pumping because he gets me more velocity to land on you. I've always wanted to say that because like Tanahashi is like one of those things. I Like I said, I don't get it, and when we have a lot of conversations, I'm like, eh, he's Tanahashi. But that's one thing I respect about him. When he does that move, I don't expect the guy to get up.
1: Yeah, yeah, the high-flat flows. Yeah, yeah, Definitely.
0: yeah, yeah. high-flat
1: flows. High-impact high maneuvers in New Japan. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I love Tanahashi. I've, you know, I started watching Wrestle Kingdom 9 or, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom 9 and kind of the for a lot of fans when they were doing that pay-per-view with Global Force Wrestling. And I've kind of gone back and done my homework. So I do have that appreciation uh, for Tanahashi. And I'm very excited for this match with Jericho.
0: Yes, uh, just to get to what I was saying, Jericho, first Tanahashi told, uh, what was the magazine called? Uh, Uh,
1: Tokyo Sports.
0: Tokyo Sport. If he wins, he was going to open the forbidden door, and he wanted to challenge for the AEW world title. You know, the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. And then uh, Chris Jericho said, he cuts a promo saying, basically... He talked to Tony. Let's get this done. You know, we're mm-hmm. gonna give you, if you win, of course you get an AEW title shot. So at this point, it's like I don't feel like New Japan Global, uh, NJPW Global retweeted it, and it just feels like there's something more there to me. I know a lot of I know the New Japan people and like the you know I listen to you, so I, I'm no pal paying attention. I pay attention. I know the Jay White Mole thing. Some people just go out on their own and just talk shit and you know, but this one I feel like maybe it's cause I want it to be something more into <laughs> it. It might be yeah. more want than right. actual like yeah, but I feel like I feel like uh yeah. I feel like well, there's yeah. something there.
1: Yeah, there's a couple things here. So first of all, so I think what they did was brilliant because going this is a semi main event of night two and being in such a high spot, this match has has been very cold until this angle has happened. Um, traditionally, Jericho in the past to set up his New Japan matches, yes, he does promos, but he also usually does make a surprise appearance. It does a physical attack. We saw that in the Kenny Omega feud. We saw that in the Naito feud, and we saw that with the evil match that he did at Power Struggle uh, 2018. But with the Tanahashi, the last we saw of Jericho in Japan was at Dominion. Where um, he lost to Okada, and he attacked Okada post-match, and Tanahashi made the save. Since then, there literally has not been any physicality between Jericho and Tanahashi. It's only been Jericho promo videos. So this match has been real cold compared to all the other top billing matches on Wrestle Kingdom. So I thought it was a brilliant angle for Tanahashi, just using plain wrestling logic. Like, yeah, I, I'm beating a world champion. I if I beat him, I should I should be the number one contender. I should get a shot. And then Jericho running with it as well. So I thought that was great that they did that. That really puts a lot of intrigue on in this match. A lot of people now have their eyes locked on this match because they want to see what's going to happen. Like, if Tanahashi wins, like are, we, are we actually going to get Tanahashi in AEW? Does this open up this forbidden door? Are we going to get this um, partnership that everybody has been wanting? Now we've been hearing a lot of different things. I know Meltzer has reported the last couple of days that he's hearing that things have changed once again and that the size of they're opening up to a possibility, but nothing's set in stone yet. Um, we saw the, the wrestlers in room service video with the bucks and Kenny and Nakazawa kind of venting about how their run in new Japan ended and how they were mad about um you know, leaving, uh, being kicked off of New Year's Dash last year, and then also, um, you know, we've had the issues with Kenny in the past. Lord, he said that somebody was stopping him from getting into the country. So we do know there's, there's still a little bit of heat on both sides. Like nobody in a New Japan office has really been clamoring to bring the elite back either. So it's it's hard. And I know you know we've heard also some rumors of of stuff that. There could be a potential involvement of elite guys at the Dome. We never really saw the signs of that coming true. But there's so much like it could, something could happen or it cannot happen.
0: See, and I agree, but let me conspiracy theory. Let me me throw some things out there for you. Like, so Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are around each other quite a bit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So... They could have released this wrestlers in room service together at any point in time, correct? Right. All right? So, they could do this any time, right? And then they choose, what, two, three weeks before New Japan's biggest show, right? Mm-hmm. To bitch about it. So, they do that. Second, like, and on the room service thing, they could have talked about how hard it is being wrestlers and being producers, they could have talked about a lot of different things, but what they do, they rewound and talk about a year ago and how they are still bitter from New Japan. Mm-hmm. The Bucks conveniently hey, we're not on social media anymore. So you're not really tracking where they are or They are at, right? You don't right. really know where they are right now, right? Yeah. And, and all you said oh, they just got off social media because everybody's being mean to them. People have been being mean to the young bucks for 10 years. You know? Mhm. This is not that's <laughs> nothing and no reason for them to get off the web. Kenny yeah. Omega stopped posting. And I'm just going to point this out. I'll point this out. Cody Rhodes, maybe this is wrong or not. He he rarely goes a day without posting something, right? Right. He went exactly 18 hours between posts. Mm. What can you do in 18 hours, sir?
1: Get to Japan.
0: <laughs> I'm not saying he's there.
1: I'm not right. saying
0: they're there. But I'm saying, they have done nothing to they have done nothing and I think on purpose to convince you that they're not there.
1: Right, and also there was that one, uh, Being the Elite, I think it was a couple weeks ago, where Kenny was wearing the New Japan shorts. Yes. Uh, Nick Jackson was like, you can't wear those. People are going to think that we have a partnership with New Japan.
0: Yep, and you know what? Nothing is said on accident on, on Being the Elite. Right. Everything leads to something on Being the
1: Elite. Right and you know in wrestling like you never know what is a work or not and on this week's keeping a strong show I did pose a question to young boy and chris samson I'm like what if this is a work like it it seems unlikely but you like you you laid the case out Floyd. you laid it out very well like there's all these signs of things that are like that it could potentially like there could be something there there could be something more there and I know Josh has been jokingly saying his prediction is the elites going to come out on New Year's Dash, but wouldn't that kind of make sense if it is a work? They're complaining that they missed New Year's Dash last year, and then they show up on New Year's Dash this year.
0: My, I am actually going a little more aggressive than our our pals. I, I am going a little more aggressive than our pal. Uh, I think he, they're going to be in Japan this weekend.
1: You think they're they're going to be on the Tokyo um, of Wrestle Kingdom shows?
0: I'm not going to say the elite. I, I I feel like the Wrestle Kingdom show. I okay, do, I do. If I if I'm going to Fantasy Book, I'm not saying I have any idea why they're going to be there. But if I'm going to Fantasy Book, I feel like it's time to get the vengeance on God. Mm. And and you know that tag match really has no heat. The whole tag team division. Has no heat, right? Right. How do you bring heat back to the tag team division? The Young Bucks. And I remember when Kenny had his big match against Okada f- for the title and finally beat him. Who was in this corner? The Bucks. Oh no, I uh, wasn't at uh, Abushi.
1: That's right, Abushi. That's right. Yeah. Then the Bucks came out afterward. Yeah.
0: Who should be in Ibushi's corner when he fights Okada for the title?
1: You could say Kenny.
0: I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying. That is a prediction, and and if it's wrong, you'll never hear about it again. But if it's <laughs> right, it'll be the first 15 minutes of next week's show. I'm just yeah. saying. Just throwing it out there. No, just throwing
1: but, it out. But we have heard comments from Ibushi where he said, you know, I, I've been by myself all the time and kind of just like a random shots of, you know, pretty much like ignoring Kenny and kind of pretending like Kenny has not been there for him. So,
0: yeah. And, so. and, and like I said, it's, it's a lot, uh, a big thing that I think, uh, and I, I've said this necessity sometimes breeds forgiveness, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's right. like you got the brother and sister not talking to each other. And then someone in the family dies and you know, that's a bigger deal, so you got to put it aside, right? Right. Well, As- access might have did us a favor by killing right. New Japan's TV deal, so now New Japan's coming to America with no TV. Hey, do we know anybody with a weekly live TV show that could help get over New Japan wrestlers?
1: We do, but here's here's my <laughs> issue with that. Dynamite—they already have a hard time getting the guys they already have, the guys and ladies they already have on that two-hour show every week. And now they're going to have to try and squeeze in a New Japan guy every week. You know, you,
0: you, you got you know, you to give some to get some,
1: you know.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of at a point where it could be win-win because the best thing about New Japan America, it is not really competition for Dynamite. They said they're not doing house shows. They're not going to go on the road. So is it really competition at that point?
1: Uh, I think it's competition in the sense that, you know, you're you're essentially trying to advertise the same fan base to come to shows. I mean, there's only so much in a, a, a travel budget a year to go to shows. And it's like, are you, you, are you going to choose to go to a Dynamite or are you going to choose to go to one of these New Japan of America shows? People choose? Oh, that's so weird. I just go to all of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not everybody has uh, either the A, the flexibility, or the money to always go to all of them. So sometimes you have to make some tough choices. Yeah. It's like...
0: I just I, Like I said, it's just like AEW shows are every Wednesday. Then they'll do their pay-per-views once a quarter. As long as they can work it out where New Japan's not running shows when they're doing their pay-per-view once a quarter... It they're not directly competing against each other is what I'm saying.
1: Right. And I I think, honestly, the, the relationship, I think it would be really beneficial for a lot of the younger AEW wrestlers because, you know, right now, majority of them, they're only wrestling once a week. They're not getting a lot of reps in uh, to really improve. And uh, if they were able to work these New Japan of America shows that are going to be on the weekends... Um, throughout the year, I think that'd be great experience, you know, for guys like you know, like private party, um, Kip Sabian, some of these younger guys who could use some more reps and get them some more, you know, Sammy Guevara, and you get them over there, you have them wrestling guys like Ishii and Will Osprey and Okada and Tanahashi, and you know, and
0: something very important is that New Japan has a juniors division. Right. That AEW doesn't have. So, Sammy Guevara is maybe, maybe he's in, uh, what is it, the J Cup? No, yeah, best, best of the super, super Juniors. Yeah, Best of the Super Juniors. You know, you have all this more flexibility for the wrestlers that gets them more exposure, and you don't effectively have to have a house show. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like it, I feel like. It makes so much sense. How does it not happen? But this is wrestling, so you really it, can't just say that. Here's what I say:
1: <laughs> Never say never in pro wrestling. You know, there are wilder things that have happened. Like if New Japan and AEW work together, like honestly, I don't really see that. That wouldn't be like oh, a such a crazy idea. Yeah. We've seen way crazier things in wrestling you know, over the last 30 years that have happened. And so we never say never in wrestling. We're not saying it's going to happen. We're not saying it is happening. It's not going to happen, but there's a potential. There are some signs. You never say never. I, I, it, it, it could happen.
0: I am going to stay in a level of, uh, uh, what is it, cautious optimism. Yeah. That's where That's- I'm going to live.
1: So the, the one thing that's going to be a factor is whether or not New Japan does want to get its own TV deal in America. Um, they said as of right now they don't they're not planning on getting one, but I know Rocky sent a tweet out asking where you, would you like to see new what channel would you like to see New Japan on and they're they are planning on doing a lot of new Japan and America shows this year, so if they do end up getting a TV deal, I think that might be a roadblock. Um, in a potential partnership with AEW, but if they choose to stick with the New Japan uh, world model and not worry about TV, then there's more of a chance of that relationship uh, opening up.
0: Yeah, if I was Turner, I would have jumped on the New Japan thing. And But New Japan, as soon as they found out they didn't have a home, you know, just if you could do, let's just say you could just do Wrestle Kingdom uh you know the the four big ones the big ones the Wrestle Kingdom Dominion whatever what am i missing uh Our Struggle uh, and uh, King of, Yeah, King of Pro Wrestling. Let's just say you could do those and not necessarily do them live but have them on same day. You're going to get people watching it on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I any channel I think would be smart if to have New Japan Pro Wrestling. But you know, I'm just a big fan of New for Japan Pro Wrestling. So yeah, I mean,
1: it's it's a great product. It's an excellent product, and I think yeah, there there are channels that could benefit from it. Um, you know, Adam Swift, he was the guy at Access that was responsible for that relationship and getting uh, New Japan on Access, and he was one of the guys that was um, let go, and uh, Anthem bought Access. They shut that whole uh, Dallas office down. So, you know, keep an eye out for wherever Adam Swift lands. If he gets another job with another TV channel, that could be a potential in uh, for New Japan in the future.
0: Absolutely. And, I, I, you know, I'd be happy for him. It's like I, I know I come off as very aggressive against the WWE. I have no problem with New Japan other than the fact that, you know, they kind of broke up with the elite. (laughs) They was like, hey, I'm going to do this other thing, but I still want to hang out. New Japan's like, no, we're cool. <laughs> 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 it's like a cold shoulder. No, I'm not calling you back. No, no, but it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how this whole situation went down. Uh, you know, Tadahashi what? and Jericho kind of hold. Well, you know, the New Japan, Gato, holds, holds the power right now.
1: Right. And I I think a a big step in that direction is like you mentioned, like New Japan, like retweeting and putting the Jericho video on their site and mentioning the three letters AEW on their YouTube channel, on their social media, because majority of the year they were not mentioning Kenny Omega or the Bucks or AEW on air whatsoever. But in the last few months, we've heard them mention Kenny's name they're now going. They're now using this whole AEW storyline that Tanahashi and Jericho are working with. So,
0: yeah, it just like Tanahashi wins tomorrow morning or tonight, then you know maybe gets his title shot at Bash at the Beach, you know one of those a week uh, one of those shows, and then you know Jericho wins, of course. But you say, oh, uh, you know, you can see the action of all these New Japan people as they come to town or whatever, you know, right. It, it works. It doesn't have to be one match. Doesn't one match in each, uh, show doesn't have to equal a full partnership, but you know, dip that toe in the water.
1: Right. And also, or something that not many people have been talking about, and we kind of highlighted it. I think it was on this week's show or some of the show that we did, um, this week that with Tanahashi, He's at a level, he's, he's at that Jushin Thunder Liger level, where he could probably do a deal on his own, similar to like how Jericho and Mox have in their contract to do New Japan. He could have in his contract to do American stuff. We saw over the years Liger would come to Ring of Honor, TNA. He had a takeover match with Tyler Breeze. Liger had that power to kind of take um, outside you know American bookings, regardless of who the the American partner was at the time. So Tanahashi, he's definitely at that legend status, and he just re-signed a new contract with New Japan. You know, who what are what are they going to say, Tanahashi? No, you can't, you know, work an American date um, if he's not booked for New Japan. So I think he's at that level. He has the stroke where he could say, "I'm taking, you know, if I'm beating Jericho, I'm going, I'm going to work an AEW show." as a one of my American dates this year and then not, not really be a New Japan AEW thing, but an AEW Tanahashi partnership.
0: Yeah, it it would be great. I would be more than welcome. And I think it would add a little, you know, add a little something, a little something different to the AEW uh AEW roster, AEW main event, gives you another main event to get Chris Jericho To the next show. There's just a lot of things there. And I just, like I said, I think it's mutually beneficial. I know there's some New Japan fans that don't want it. I know there's some AEW fans that don't want it. But I can tell you, since this was mentioned, I'm in the AEW Discord, and it went from, I don't care that this is going on, to, hey, how do you sign up for New Japan World?
1: Right, yeah. Like I said, it was a brilliant move to heat this matchup, get some eyes that's going to bump up those New Japan uh, subscription numbers, or it might get some more uh, Fight TV orders. It's definitely going to draw eyes. It adds a lot of intrigue to this match. And uh, I, I hate to be like the, the Debbie Downer here, but I do think that Chris Jericho is going to win. I think the plan for... It was always a plan for Jericho to win. If you look at his history... Since he's been on this recent run in New Japan, he has not won in the Dome yet. He lost to Kenny, Arsenal Kingdom 12, lost to Naito, Arsenal Kingdom 13. He's only won two of the five New Japan matches he's had, where he defeated Naito at Dominion for the IC title, and he defeated uh, Evil at Power Struggle 2018. So if they're going to keep using Jericho, you don't want them always coming in and losing. He needs a win. He needs a win in the dome. You need him to be heated up as a commodity to use later on in the year. So I do think he is going to um, beat Tanahashi um, come January fifth.
0: I I agree with everything you said because you know you're the new Jiren guru. <laughs> but I am uh I'm sending a I'm sending some thoughts up to my <laughs> wrestling deity. Hoping that somehow at the last minute they change their mind and Chris Jericho loses, but I don't think Jericho—I don't (laughs) think Jericho losing is the only way for it to happen, you know. But still, think it would help.
1: Right? Yeah, there are a lot of fans of both products that are that are hoping and praying that this works out. I know, you know, Rich in the Social Suplex thread, uh, he's you know he's hoping that we get this, a lot of people in the thread are hoping we get this uh, partnership, and like like we said, it would be beneficial for both companies as long as New Japan doesn't end up getting um, an American TV deal. Um, it would be a great way to, you know, add a little something uh, different to Dynamite's and pay-per-views by featuring a New Japan guy every once in a while, and then it would be great for the young guys in AEW to get some more reps going on the new Japan america tours
0: absolutely absolutely so for next week's uh dynamite um we got a few things brandy's going to show up on the show doesn't really say what she's going to be doing but brandy's going to be there they are going to be uh doing a ode to the kings of southern wrestling is how is that how they put
1: it I thought it was like something like Memphis Legends Appreciation.
0: Yeah, Memphis Legends Appreciation. So a lot of people are going to be showing up, I take it. But the matches we know of, Sammy Guevara versus Christopher Daniels. Um, uh, uh, I think Rich Latta is correct, as he so lovingly put it. Uh, Sammy's going to run through some old people.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then we get Hangman and Kenny... Versus Private Party, I truly, I honestly think this is when Hangman's going to turn.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think that Private Party's going to win?
0: Oh, yes. I think Hangman's going to you know, give old Kenny the buckshot lariat again. and Or actually, maybe Kenny gives Hangman the V-trigger. And that's mm-hmm. how Private Party wins. Because, you know, wrestling, they tend to try to go the other way and then Hangman doesn't take it as nice as Kenny took it when he got Buckshot Larryed it. Yeah. Yeah, so I you know, I think that I think that breakup is pretty imminent. I don't think that it's going to stretch out more than one or two more weeks. Yeah. Yeah, cuz you know, you got to build to the match. Um let's see. I think that's it's did I Oh, there's it? the oh, the Rhodes
1: Brothers. Brothers versus Lucha Bros.
0: Yeah, two more. Rhodes Brothers versus Lucha Bros. Huge match this is one of those ones that could be a two or it could be a four.
1: What do, What do you mean?
0: Like it could be a two star match or it could be a four star match. I think, mm, the ceiling, gotcha. <laughs> I think the ceiling's four star, but if it came out and it's a stinker, I would not be shocked. These are people that work completely different styles. Pentagon could slow it down. You know, even in, you know, impact, he wrestled a slower style. He's more character work anyway. So yeah. that that works with the roads, but Ray Phoenix, I don't know how that's going to work out.
1: <laughs> I, I well, you know, uh, <laughs> Cody had some great matches with Rey Mysterio um yeah. in the company. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think Cody's been doing a better job. He's become more versatile. He's has expanded his move set and kind of what he can do. Um so yeah, I, I'm I'm very optimistic about this match. I think it'll be pretty good.
0: Yeah, like I said, it could stink or it could be great. I just don't know. I don't never I don't think it has five star potential. Because of course it's on T V. Not a lot of T V matches have that. But I, I think strong four. Strong yeah. four. If uh if if everything works the way it wants to. But like I said, it's just I like I play I'm playing Lucha Row matches. Back and I see so many points of failure if your if their opponents aren't on on right yeah so I don't know that's just that was actually me trying to do an impartial a impartial critique of what the match could be because you know it's Cody's in it so I think it's gonna be like <laughs> twenty two stars at least uh, on the Floyd scale <laughs> and, yeah. and
1: and and Arn Anderson's gonna be out there too
0: exactly so I mean. Aaron Anderson being there put starts it at two and a half stars, and then you just go up from there. <laughs> I was trying to be impartial for a second. You know, doesn't happen a lot. Uh, last is the women's title match. Hopefully, I mean, honestly, with what's on here, it should main event the show right now. They might add something else that could go on last. Well, it should.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, next week, uh, NXT is back to regular schedule. There will be live NXT for matches. But yeah, based on what they have so far, I mean, I think the women's championship match would make a lot of sense to put on the main event. Like we talked about earlier in the show, they really need to position that championship as a top prize and that the fact, you know, we see on NXT that they, they've main evented with women before, and even on um, the main roster, they, they've main evented with women's title matches and women. So I think, you know, AEW, that's one of the things that they championed at the very beginning, that they were going to be inclusive and, um, you know, give their women the same opportunity as the men. So they need to stick to their word, and I think they should main event with Stat and Riho, especially if we're going to get a new champ.
0: And Statlander is super over and super, like, hot right now as far as the talk of the wrestling industry. So having her win would make a lot of sense. And having it in the main event would make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, I'm all for uh, the Statlander win, especially, like, I'm not sure what the deal with Fariho is. Like, I don't know how what like, her stardom schedules look like this year. So I don't know if she'll be gone a lot. If she is gone a lot, I do think it makes a lot of sense to put it on Statlander, who's more, somebody that can be here every week. Um, and she's, she's great in the ring. Uh, she's one of the hottest acts going right now. She just won the AAW Women's Championship from Jessica Havoc a couple of weeks ago. Um, she's all over the place on the indies. And I think she would be kind of a great person to have as the Women's uh, World Champion.
0: Yeah, that de- definitely. Completely agree. And the last thing is, will Moxley say yes? Mm. I think he'll say no with a paradigm shift.
1: Yeah, or or could we have the um, like we were saying? Could he say yes and kind of, te- you know, be a part of the inner circle for a couple of weeks and then turn?
0: Yeah, I see. Like with him, I mean, the way I'm envisioning in my head is. The immediately like he puts the takes the shirt, like puts it on, give Jericho the hug, then hits him with a paradigm shift and leave. Mm. Yeah, like gets him like really close to the point where everybody's not thinking about coming into the ring, you know, so he can get away. Yeah, (laughs) but that's kind of how I see it in my head. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's right. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so th- that'll be dynamite for next week from South Haven, Mississippi, which I guess is a suburb of Memphis. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, cause Memphis is in Arkansas and Tennessee, but the Memphis show is in Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just weird. I don't know how that works. I don't know how the South works, but that's just, that just seems weird to me. Well, do you got any, uh, Jeremy, do your plug, sir. Tell everybody about everything.
1: Yeah. So like uh, Floyd's mentioned, you could listen to Keeping It Strong Style. You usually drop um, every Tuesday right here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Like we mentioned at the beginning of this show, you can subscribe um, to Social Suplex Podcast Network and you can get all the great shows that we have to offer here. And we drop every Tuesday. You can find us on... You know, pretty much any podcast app that you like. We're also on YouTube. You can also visit our homepage, socialsuplex.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy L. Donovan. Keeping a strong style, you can follow at K.I. Strong Style. And you can follow the mothership at Social Suplex.
0: All right. And for me, you can follow me at Floyd Johnson Jr. That's my name. So, yeah, I'm kind of boring with that. And then or the show at AT Elite pod and uh, of course i am in discord and it's all honestly again very boring floyd from all things elite that's my whole name <laughs> uh <laughs> and then uh amy's in uh discord under phoenix uh next week we should be with tiffany doing the show as we get ready to build the build up to bash at the beach so and to all the people that listen that are going on the cruise, have a great time. Uh, I know that's a big part of the Bash in the Beach situation. Uh, make sure you are, uh, go to VoicesOfWrestling dot Download the New Japan uh, New Japan book ebook. Jeremy's in it. Read his section. Tell him what you think about it. I am definitely going to read it, and you should be honored because I don't read. Very often, I really don't. I mean, I know that hey, sounds weird, but no.
1: Honestly, I, I'm not a big reader either. Like, I I read. I know it's bad. People, you know, frown on people who don't read a lot, but I just, I don't know. I just don't find it very entertaining. I rather watch wrestling or do a podcast. So yeah, no.
0: And this is how <laughs> I'm like. I'm not. I, I'll say it like this. I love Harry Potter, but I can dedicate a day to reading the book or two hours to watching the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I get this, you know, a similar story, but a lot less time. And then I watch wrestling, you know, I watch live sports. You always wonder how I watch as much stuff as I watch. So, You're right. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I don't read. That's how I do it. <laughs> no. But, but um, uh, yeah, definitely check
1: out that Voice of Wrestling ebook. It's, uh, you know, over 300,000 words with um, a ton of contributors. And it is a uh, pay what you want model. If you buy it from Payhip, the suggested price is five ninety nine. But you could get it for free. You could pay more if you get it on Amazon. It is the five ninety nine price on Amazon because they have they have to put a price on Amazon. So you could download it for free. And if you really like it, go back and um you know pay for it. And I think it's it's definitely it's worth way more than five ninety nine in my in my eyes. So uh, definitely uh, check it out. And you know all the contributors um, do get a little piece of the pie at the end of the day. So uh, if you do buy it at some point, I'll I'll get a little, you know, I'll get some sense from um, the right from the work. So, (laughs)
0: yeah. And the names in it are like a huge who's who of wrestling podcast, you know what I mean? And wrestling writers and all that kind of stuff. So you'll see names on there and people that you knew people that you can follow on Twitter and, you know, get more into this wrestling game. Uh, right. I definitely, like I said, uh, you know, I, I, I bought it last year. I bought it this year. I kicked a little money in and, you know, cause I want them to continue to do it. And I want to support my friends that do what I do.
1: Right. So, and, you know, uh, your co-host Amy O she did, she had um, an essay in there last year. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's one thing I love about voices of wrestling is that they are very open to you know working with people from other sites and other podcasts and uh, that's something we try to emulate here with social suplex we are very open to working with other networks other websites you know we guest on lords of pain and chair shot radio and we have relationships and we'll bring it we've had people from voices of wrestling on our network so we're very open to working with other people and I, I, i love that voices of wrestling is that way as well
0: yeah, one of my mandatory podcasts every week is on Voices of Wrestling, Everything Elite. I think they're brilliant guys that look at wrestling a little bit differently than I do, and I think we can all, you know, look at wrestling. You know, need as many points of view as possible to, uh, you know, enjoy the program as much as possible.
1: Right, and the same for me. You know, I listen to the Super J Casts on their on their network, which is their New Japan podcast, and uh, you know we're friends with uh, Damon and Joel and. We, all, we have constant communication back and forth with each other. We met up in uh, New York in person for the first time. And so, you know, Damon has been a, a big fan of keeping it strong style and lets us know what a great job we were doing. So, you know, we both listen to each other's shows and, you know, there's room in the market for multiple New Japan podcasts, multiple AEW podcasts, and we can all be friends. We don't have to, you know, have a, a wrestling war over podcasts.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, You know, like I said, everybody's accepted, everybody's welcome. We we try to, you know, when we go to these shows, we hang with whoever's there. So that's how we want to, that's the type of environment that we want. Just not, you know, in our regular lives, internet lives, everything that we do. We just want to all be about acceptance and be about being friends with everyone. Right. All right. So, uh, that's all you got, Jeremy? Yeah,
1: that's all I got, man.
0: All right. For... Thank you again for being on the show. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you sticking with me through the technical difficulty. Uh, no problem. <laughs> that, that went really, really crazy. But uh, to all of you, just, uh, just reminding you, like I do every week, make sure you download the show. And no matter what, if it's home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite.